Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe FDA approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Connecting to the big show. In three, two, one. She got in the rear and she loves flowers and I was like, I'm so sorry. She has autism. She was like, she's fine. Well, on Oliver Plunkett Street in the middle of broad daylight, there's a group of young men just getting high. For somebody coming in off an ambulance trolley, I have found that we physically do not have enough trolleys. Join the conversation. Call 0818 969696. Extra WhatsApp 083 396 We'll hear more about it uh, during the morning, I suspect. But Noel Kelly has come out kicking. He's gone studs in this morning to the Oireachtas Committee. In his opening comments, he will say that his client has been a successful driver of RTE's commercial activity for 14 years. Speaking, of course, of Ryan Tuberty. But now... He's been made a poster boy for a scandal, which Noel Kelly will say is undeserved. That's going to be followed, I would say, on every television in Ireland. I'm kind of thinking, should we just pack up at 11 o'clock here? Because no one's going to be doing that thing except watching the telly. There are pubs are turning on their big screens to watch this uh, Eroctus committee. I'm even told there are pubs in Alicante who are Irish pubs in Alicante who are going to try and put Rochester TV up so people can watch this while they're on their flipping holiday. I mean, give me a break here. But it is it's the biggest day of Rochester coverage, I would say, since they started showing us the Rochester on the telly. Ryan Tuberty and Noel Kelly appearing before the committees today to discuss this financial thing. Already, as I said, Kelly come out fighting for his client, as you would expect him to do. More on that as we get it. Good morning, 0818 96 96. 96, the number, the text to WhatsApp is 083 396 96 and your email is opinion at 96fm.ie. Straight away, I want to go back to somewhere we were yesterday. I had a long chat with Sally Hanlon of Support After Crime Services yesterday about kids getting involved in crime and the fact that we have a very serious issue across our city of youngsters, as young as 12, getting involved in crime. Sally has heard of them being as young as eight or nine going around with hurlies turning on other young people. We know from talking to the retail sector, talking to the business association, some of the worst aggression in shops is coming from 13, 14 and 15 year olds. The law can do nothing. They're underage. They go into the district court, according to Sally, and they're just laughing. And I have to say in my own time covering the courts, I saw that. 
I definitely saw it. But Sally was saying about parents, that parents need to have or need to play a stronger role in this and that parents need to be accountable for the actions of their children. Here's just a reminder of some of the things that Sally said to me yesterday. This is Sally Hannan from Support After Crime Services. At the end of the day, if you see your child coming in with expensive new gear, clothes or shoes or whatever, you have to ask the question, where did you get the money for them? Yeah. Because they'll be they'll be groomed into, lured into committing crime and the glamour of what they receive will entice them. Mm-hmm. But once they're in, they can't get out. Yeah. And that's the sad part. It's often said here, Sally, when youngsters are involved in crime, and I speak of in the city centre and retail units, or like you yeah. said, people being beaten up by youngsters or people, youngsters stealing cars and whatever, that if we can't do anything to, to them, if the legal system doesn't allow us to punish them because of their age, punish their parents. Yes. Is that what you're saying? Well, I'm saying make them responsible. They're, they're children. They brought them into the world. There's a onus on a parent to rear the child to the best of their ability. Mm-hmm. And if they can't do it, seek help to do it. But just don't leave them off to do what they want, when they want, and hurt others. Your message to parents, Sally, I think very clearly is if your 14-year-old is stuck in this and gets in trouble, look at yourself first. And do everything in your power to to remove them from that type of behaviour. You see, you have a lot of youngsters pulling out of school early, dodging school, being around town, and nobody seems to care. James Leonard of the Two Norries podcast joins me. James, you and I have spoken before about what they call these days ACEs, Adverse Childhood Experience, and you're studying this in depth, I know, in your study of criminology. What do you make of what Sally is saying? Good morning. Good morning, PJ. Well, she's very, she, like, she, she, she's very nuanced. Like, she's not being super critical of parents, and there is an understanding that parents need support. I suppose just my own point of view and experience of working with families in this situation is, like, a lot of the time the parents are under first pressure, and if they haven't got the ability to parent, then, like Sally said, they need the support around them. But sometimes the parents are being intimidated as well. For example, I spoke to a school principal not long ago, mm-hmm. me and Timmy, and um, the person was under the influence, a child, 13 years of age, and the principal felt, uh, it was the first time in the role that she felt that she was in danger, that she was going to be harmed, and she called in the mother to speak to the mother, and she says, look, I felt really afraid of your son, and I, it was the first time I felt I was in danger, and she says, apologies about that principal, but he hit me on a daily basis. So, like, how do you go and punish the mother? Do you know, the, the, like, the parents can be struggling a lot of the times themselves. And by, you know, if, if, if a parent is under stress, it impacts on their ability to parent. Mm. So if, by adding more consequences, I remember um, I was on the telly there a couple of months ago and we were talking about this on the Katie Hannon show and there was myself, a senator, a TD, and a Garda commissioner, mm-hmm. assistant commissioner. 
and we were all unanimous that it was a bad idea to punish parents for their children's actions um, because like adding stress onto the parent is not going to like let's say PJ you have a child and the child is running amok in this in, in the street you're at your wits end mm. you're shamed over it you feel like you're after letting them down you feel like everybody's talking about you and then we go and say right we're going to take 50 euros a week off your off your welfare until it's sorted like how do you magically turn it around with the 50 euro debt it, it doesn't help at all in fact it makes things worse you know so that's the way we be looking at it mm. Sally's point though that when you have children of teenage years or any years uh, until such time as they're adults it is your job to know where they are and who they're with it is true but at the same time children, adolescents, teenagers have free will and they have peer influence and even like in, in terms of psychosocial development is shown that children of adolescent age are far more influenced by peers than they are by parents mm. and that's why your child will be holding your hand going through the shopping centre when they're 10 or 11 but when they're 14 or 15 they're on the other aisle do you know what I mean? Yeah. There is different. a huge, isn't there James, that there is a huge change that happens and having raised a couple of kids myself I know this you know there is a huge change that happens between 10 and 14 and absolutely you're not ready for it you're not ready for it no parent ever is you know that I I think it's kind of the time when your children will disappear into a bedroom and come out to eat and fight and that's when you're lucky so they can go off the rails very quickly in that couple of years they can, but if they're coming from a stable home with both parents or a good stable parent at least, they're far more likely to go through that phase and come out the other end and get on with their lives. Like we spoke with the, the director of Town, which is the Ireland's only youth detention facility yes. in Lusk. Um, we spoke with him recently. The podcast will be out in a few weeks. We're working on a limited series around the criminal justice system. But I said to him, in Cork Prison, Mount Joy, we feel in all these prisons that we've visited, they're made up of people from council estates, halting sites, and ethnic minorities. I said, is it like that for young people as well? He says, to be honest, he says it is. So if you're, you're like, every child will go through difficulty in adolescence, and there'll be some sort of deviant behaviour in terms of experimenting with substances or whatever, promiscuity, stuff Just like that. Just pushing boundaries. Yeah, but it's natural behaviour. But when yeah. you're from a stable background, you're more likely to kind of go through it. No bother and come out the other end. But when you're from a dysfunctional background, maybe there's poverty or mental health issues or addiction in the home, domestic violence, you're more likely to end up in a place like Town because of that. And another thing that uh, is recent enough as well is they recently made um, grooming children for uh, drugs mules a crime. Yeah. So that that that's a specific crime in and of itself, and a, a phenomenon around the country at the moment is drug-related intimidation for young people. So back in my day, PJ, there'd be no drug dealer give me a kilo of weed at the age of sixteen because they know they wouldn't get it back. Do you know, <laughs> in this day and age, it's different. They'll give it to the sixteen-year-old and they'll intimidate the parents for the money. And there's been some very sad cases around the yeah. north side and beyond of young people taking their lives because of the stress of the drug debt, and the parents are still being hounded for the money by the dealer. 
fellows. So the children out that, let's say, on the surface, you see the young fellow walking in and he's, you know, kind of, kind of a goose jacket and we can come up with, you know, assumptions of or he's living the life. But he might be under a serious amount of stress and intimidation to carry those drugs. Do you know what I mean? So you have to kind of look at it with a kind of critical eye. Yeah, the, the point that Sally was making, if you see your 14 or 15-year-old coming in in a pair of runners that cost 200 euro... You should be asking, or should you be asking, where'd you get the money? Absolutely. But let's say, let's, right, so let's say your son comes in, PJ, with a lovely pair of Balenciaga trainers that would probably be a week's wages, okay? Mm. And then you say, where are you getting the money? And, and then he goes for you because he's under first pressure. Or, or he's in a lot of debt, or he's just caught up in that madness of lifestyle. And then he goes for you and he intimidates you, or he's violent towards you. Like, what do you do? And some, like, we, we, it's easy to say, oh, I throw them out, but some parents don't want to do that because if we lift to throw them out, that they're going to end up in the streets or they're going to get worse into it. So they're kind of enable it to carry on. So it's very complicated, you know, it's not straightforward. No, but I do yeah. understand people's frustrations, like, it's you not know, normal. And you're, and you're studying the ACEs thing, and you have been now for a number of years, which is why I wanted to get you on just to talk about what Sally was saying. But, you know, one thing I often do think of, uh, James, and the point you make is the points you're making about what is the child coming from. That's the whole background to ACEs. But I would put it to you with the best respect in the world that it is of cold comfort to the young shop assistant who's had a mug of hot coffee flung in her face by a 13-year-old because she wants him to pay for it. It's cold comfort to her where he came from. Absolutely. And like, put it this way, PJ, right? We're, we visited many prisons and we spoke to many people on the podcast, but if you're a victim of crime, and I've been a victim of crime myself, do you know, like, all the compassion and understanding goes out the window, you want yes, justice. It it's more frustrating when it's a young person because the young person is not responsible in terms of, like, they, they haven't got their wits about them, they haven't got the maturity, and a lot of the time, the crimes that are committed, they're not, like, it's, it's a lot of the time, it's the wrong place at the wrong time. It's not on you, it's just... You were in that place, do you know what I mean? And uh, it's, it's, you know, for a young person like that, they're on a path to destruction. And a lot of the time we get messages from people, oh, my son is, my daughter is on this pathway. They're 15, 16, 17. And at that stage, there's probably very little you can do. What they need to do is they need to go out and experience life and come to the realisation themselves that there's nothing in it. What we always advocate for is the earlier intervention, you know, putting the supports around the family because a lot of those children, that, 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 like you said, you know, that throw a cup of coffee in that shopkeeper's face, like that's probably the net result of a lot of neglect or maybe missed opportunities in the school system. There may be a, a undiagnosed dyslexia, ADHD. There might be stuff that went on that have been missed and then this is the net result of it. So... Like, you need to get in earlier and put the supports around the families to prevent it, you know, because mm. when a child... The, fam the families also have to be willing to take the support, James. They do, they do. In your experience, you aren't they? The support yeah, is absolutely. there, are they going to take it? Well, if, you, if you're in a house, right, and you're stressed up to your eyeballs because of all the carry-on out of your child, and somebody comes in and offers you support, you're going to take the support. But you see, a lot of the time when the support is offered, the support requires that that adolescent joins as well and a lot of the time they won't do it yes. you know? it's the support is when it is the early intervention uh, there's a 
organisation up in um, the north side called Let's Go Together, formerly Young Nakhnehini. You know, an organisation like that where you support, yeah, you get support around the family so that, like, when the things come up that the parents are able to manage it and they don't feel like they're isolated and on their own. And in a, in a primary school and a secondary school where behavioural issues comes up, they're not getting expelled or thrown out. They're getting support around them, you know. They're getting the assessments. Like myself and Timmy last year, we did a fundraiser for... Um, we raised 26,000 for uh, dyslexia uh, assessments for children in uh, three Northside schools, the two in Akinahini and Padre Pio in Churchfield. And... We had a load of schools contacting us afterwards. Would you ever come to our area and do a fundraiser? Do you know they have no money for assessments? So there's children sitting in the back of class with dyslexia, ADHD, and other things that's going undiagnosed. They think they're stupid. School becomes so stressful then that they don't want to go. They end up going on the hop, and then idle hands leads to idle work, you know, or the devil's work, or whatever that saying is. So, like, do you see what I mean? There's an opportunity there to get the diagnosis, to get the support around them. But when they don't get the diagnosis, they don't want to go to school because it's so stressful. They feel like they're stupid. And then they go to the streets. And then once they're on the streets, once they're on that path, then it's a long road ahead of them. And there's a lot of destruction and collateral damage comes with it. I see, I see. Bernie now says here, James, I'm fed up with all this feeling sorry for the parents. We had nothing. The problem was now that they're not being taught manners. The kids aren't being taught manners. It's an old-fashioned view, but it's still out there. It is, and they're entitled to their view. Yeah. I can only give my experience, PJ, of yes. working in services, of visiting prisons, speaking with directors of youth uh, detention facilities and governors of prisons, social workers, probation officers, all these people, you know, and my own experience and growing up in the area I grew up. So that's my perspective. And so and therefore, I, I would put, put one last question to you with regard to the yeah. amount of, and you know it as well as I do, and better probably, the amount of teenage crime, underage crime, be it from petty crime to more serious crime, that's out there in our streets at the moment. Are you saying, James, that this didn't just happen, this situation was caused? Yeah, Exactly. Exactly. Like, there's a lot of stuff that can be done that wasn't done in terms of putting the social services in the schools that need them, you know, getting support around the family in the early age rather than looking at a crisis when the child is 16, 17, you know. That's, there are missed opportunities. And, like, we put, we spend so, you know how much it costs to keep a young person in Town for 12 months? It's a quarter of a million for a male and over 300,000 for a female. What? Can you imagine what you, can you imagine what you could do with a fraction of that? funds in the community but you see we don't look at it like that PJ we look to address the crisis when it happens rather than try to prevent it with a fraction of the money and we have it the wrong way around which answers the one question that I always get well why don't we build more Oberstowns because you won't solve the problem is what you're saying oh exactly like they're building another Limerick prison right so we were up there beautiful landing and badly needed because it's very overcrowded but like you're not going to build your way out of this because you're just going to, like we they do that in America, and that's not really working out very well for them, is it? Like you're you're just addressing the net result of it. It's like addiction, PJ. Right? When addiction happens, the person is using a drink or a drug or a gambling or whatever. That's the symptom of the underlying condition. And if you're only addressing the symptom, the underlying condition is always going to relapse. And with crime, crime is a symptom of something else. If you look at the prison system, and there's been very little research done on this. There was one done by Paul Amani in the early 90s. Um, if you look at the sociological profile of a prison, it's usually people from council estates and from heart sites and from ethnic uh, minorities like Romanian, Polish. 
they're not bad people, all people born in haunting sites and in council estates, but they have more of the aces that you spoke about, they have more of the social barriers to um, getting on in life and that is an, that leads to crime. It doesn't excuse it, you have to take responsibility. But when you're a young person, you don't have consequences, you don't have the responsibility, you don't care. That only comes with age and with wisdom and maturity, unfortunately. I'm, I'm reminded, to finish, of an old quote. Uh, I don't know where it's from, but I think it was Peter McVerry I heard say it, said, the child neglected by the village will burn it down to feel the warmth of the flames. Do you agree with that? that doesn't that capture what I've been talking about there? It, that's exactly it. And we need to nurture those children, because those children are born into the world pure, with no, you know, with great opportunities at their feet. And there's social circumstances, family circumstances and individual circumstances that shape them. And unfortunately, when you're from a poor or background or you're from a dysfunctional family or a family that's not able, some like some parents aren't able because yeah. they have their own stuff. That's true. And that's it's up true. to them then to seek the support for themselves. Do you know, like the support there for everybody as well. Like some people, they're, they're just kind of getting on with their life and they accept that this is how life is, but it doesn't have to be like that. There's a better life there for everybody. It doesn't matter who you are or where you're from or if you have money, if you don't have money, the support there for you. And there's yourself and Timmy living proof of that. James, my regards to himself and to everybody connected with the Two Norries podcast. Thank you for your time this morning, James Leonard. Just another perspective. Your thoughts are welcome. 0818-96-96-96. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With Hidden Hearing, focused solely on your hearing health for over 35 years. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Cork's 96 FM. Cork loves the arts. We do too. That's why we bring you the Arts House. Every Sunday on Cork's 96 FM. Hi, it's Elmarie. Join myself and Connor every Sunday morning to find out what's happening in the arts all over Cork. There's so much happening. Fantastic festivals with great events for all ages. And we'll tell you all about them. The Arts House. Sunday mornings, 8 to 10. With Griffin's Potatoes. Feeding Cork families with delicious Griffin's New Seasons Queens. Cork's 96 FM. With the Clayton Hotel. Tell all this week our friends at the Clayton giving us an overnight B&B for two people every day and your chance to soak up the best of Cork shopping boutiques and department stores right on your doorstep outside the Clayton Hotel Cork City. We have a mystery sound for you every day. I know these competitions are as old as radio itself, the mystery sound, but they work and they're fun. So I want you to tell me, again, a sound related to a hotel or a bar or a restaurant uh, this sound what might it be I don't think that you need me to tell you any more than what that is you don't need my help with that do you Tell me what it is. Give me your name. 083-396-9696. We come back to it during the course of the morning. Now, uh, a long email message from Grant about a car accident and issues with insurance and claiming. It's a long one, Grant. So tell me from the start, what happened to you? Good morning. Good morning, uh, PJ. No, just my car was parked outside my place and... um a truck drove past and scraped along the side of it. 
the, the driver stopped and called the guardie, and uh, the guardie then um, contacted me. So we exchanged our insurance details. <clears throat> Do you want me to go on to the... Should I... Well, take it from the start. So, so the guy had the presence of mind to report the accident, and then... You were contacted by the yeah. Gaddy, and it would it would probably go through his insurance. One would assume, yeah. Well, yeah, that 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 would have been the idea. But the problem arose then when it you know the the other party's insurance company <clears throat> or insurance in general, they only have to provide what they call like for like. So, like my car was in you know I've had it for ten years, you know. Mm. So if my car gets damaged, um, they're not expecting to supply me with a brand new Toyota Corolla, you know? Yeah. And was there was there a lot of damage done, Grant? The damage was about €1,000 worth, was what I was quoted for. It was a scrape along the side of it, and then, um, you know, it needed a new tail line, and the, the, the bumper had been torn off, you know? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> mm-hmm. So the assessor, the other party's insurance uh, provide an assessor who comes down to kind of evaluate your car, and uh, that assessor said your car is worth nine hundred euros. Um, so the insurance company then would give me nine hundred euros for my car, and I would have to give the car to them, <clears throat> and then I'd have to go and buy a new car with the nine hundred euros. But the, the the problem was I didn't feel I was going to find a car that would be the same as the Toyota. So hold on, they they buy the car off you. They give you nine hundred euros to take the car away, but they wouldn't give you nine hundred euro towards getting it repaired. Exactly. Yeah, because because what they would give me that if I gave the car to them, they would sell it off to some for parts or something, and they reckon they'd get one hundred and fifty five euros if they sold it off. So if if I kept the car, they would be losing out on the 155 euros, they would think. So they would only give me 745 if I kept the car, if that makes sense. Yeah. So you'd be faced with a repair bill of 1,000 euro for something you didn't do and only 745 available to you under the insurance. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So... So I thought that was unfair, and um, because I was the, you know, the value of the car according to the independent assessor was that it was nine hundred euros, and that figure was purely derived from, you know, looking at done deal and other, you yeah. know, car, online car selling places to get an average cost for the for the car. <clears throat> so, um, you know, I was only looking for a hundred euros more than the value of the car. A thousand. So I didn't feel I was kind of being, you know, outrageous, outrageous with them. Did, did, you, did um, you think at all, Grant, of getting your own assessor? Because an assessor for the insurance company is only fighting for the insurance company. For the- well, he, they, they, you know, I spoke to the guy and he said that they would be an independent assessor. Um, the thing is, if I had to get an assessor, that would be another 250 euros I'd have to this pay. Is true you know? too. This is true too. Yeah. Well, so, so I, well, actually, the insurance company, the 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 guy who caused the accident, his insurance company should be responsible for any of your bills. That's the other side of it. Well, well, they, well, I mean, well, I mean, that was, I mean, I had considered that maybe I'd go to the company, but it was it's up in Clare, you know, so I'd have to 
go up to Claire. But I was thinking if I if I didn't get get the money, I'd go up to Claire and kind of do a bit of a sit and protest until they gave me the two hundred and fifty or the one hundred and fifty five euros. Let's pull forward a bit. You you had the money to repair the car, so you did. Yeah, so I repaired the car, and then you know I was arguing backwards and forwards with the with the other party's insurance company. Although, first of all, right, I didn't. I, first of all, I didn't realize that I'd been paying twenty five euros towards what's called legal advice. So I was getting legal advice from this third party company, not my insurance company, but another company, and I'd, I'd pay twenty five euros in my premium for this legal advice. But that person in legal advice who was dealing with the other party's insurance company, I kept asking them, do I have to accept this um, 745? I mean, can I not get the 1,000 euros for the repair? And the person never answered the question. And um, uh, and in the end of all, I kind of had to kind of give in because it, it was going nowhere, you know. Mm. So I, I said, okay, just give me the money then, and the seven hundred and forty-five, and be done with it, and I lose out for no, you know, I didn't do anything wrong. You I need the car. Out. Yeah. Yeah. Well, okay. I needed the car because it was coming up to Christmas as well. You know? Oh, and by the way, That's I think the they, they gave you a rental car. Yeah. <laughs> Which uh, for so for how many weeks? I think it was about five weeks. You know. So that would more than have paid for the repairs to your car. Exactly, exactly. Uh, it, it's kind of like the insurance company was just doing it from the point of principle. We're not going to give in to this guy, you know. Mm. Um, that's how I felt they were treating me. But the, the, the other thing is when I was talking to the person who was supposed to be acting for my, as my legal advisor, they actually told me, oh, I know that insurance company is slow because I used to work there. And I, I thought, geez, you know, that, isn't that a conflict of interest then? You know, if, if that person used to work there and who's maybe on first name yeah. terms... With, you know what I mean? Yeah. Did you consider, I think you did, you considered the um, small claims court because it was quite a small amount of money. You, you considered that, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. So the, my understanding is the small claims court will, will deal with sums up to about 1,200 euros. But it turns out for some weird reason that insurance claims, insurance issues, even though they're less than 1,000 euros, have to be dealt with in the district court. And in the district court, I, I looked like, oh, maybe I could represent myself, you know, and I tried to kind of find out how to do that. And um, But it turns out, you know, you have to prepare certain documents and you have to know which documents to prepare because the, for for this kind of a case. And that would, I think there was a cost for that. It may have been 50 euros or something. And then the other thing is if I, if I lost in, the, if I lost the case, I would then be liable to pay the other party's fees, you know. So yeah. going to the district court wasn't going to be an option. Mm. Um, I kind of felt like it was, you know, it's kind of been set up to kind of put people in the same situation as me in it, in it, you know, where they have to accept the the, the lesser amount of in yeah, my from, case, from the insurance company. Euros. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you would have been if you just accepted the insurance company's offer. Well, first of all, they offered to take away your car. What are you going to do without a car? Then they offered to pay you less than the cost of the repair. You still have to yeah. put money in your own pocket. How did it work out eventually, Grant? Well, uh, I, 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 in the, just 
quickly, there, I, I did um, talk to a friend of mine. Eventually, eventually, I got I got the thousand euros, but what happened was um, initially a friend of mine told me that a, a lawyer had acted in exactly the same situation for a friend of his, and that he the lawyer had done it for free. And I contacted that lawyer, and he said, "Oh yeah, I'll do that for you." And I said, "Well, I can't afford to pay you because I'm only looking for two hundred and fifty euros to go from the seven forty-five to the full cost, which was a thousand. And he said, "No, no, I'll do that for free, you know, because those guys shouldn't be allowed to get away with it." But then he didn't actually really do anything, you know, and I only got like two or three emails. He sent off two or three emails. We sent the check back. And then I was basically waiting and waiting. And then this guy wasn't getting back to me. And this, I was waiting for two years, basically. Right. And then in the end of all, I decided to, well, I'm just going to pick up the phone, phone up the regular claims line of the other party's uh, insurance right. and say to them, sorry. That's okay. I'm just, yeah. Go ahead. And, then, and so I phoned up the other party's insurance and, and just spoke to whoever answered the phone. And I kind of, I was really determined to not get riled up and just remain calm. Yeah. And I just explained my situation. And I, I said, do you really think it's fair that I would, you know, you know, the, the, the other guy's assessor had actually told me there was nothing structurally wrong with the car. It was just cosmetic damage. And I said to the woman, do you think it's fair that I would have to accept this amount of 745, you know, do you think that's fair? And basically it turned out that that person at the other end of the phone then was a reasonable person. And like about a week later, I got the, the full 1,000 euros. So, so it got settled in the end. Yeah, yeah, thank God. But, um, but you know, for somebody who may not have had that money, the 1,000 euros, you know, they would have been without a car or maybe they would have gotten some really dodgy car with all sorts of problems because well you know how terrible nerve-wracking it is buying a second-hand car you know sure sure but uh, you stuck with it you pursued it and eventually you got your money but i think you learned a lot along the way about dealing with insurance companies and initially just to summarize, if I have it right here, initially the damage was a thousand euro. They said, look, the car isn't worth that. We'll take the car away, which used to lead the car. They then gave you a rental car for five weeks, which you've more than have covered the cost of, of the damage. They were coming up with a figure of 745 euro. You tried the small claims court, you tried solicitors, you thought about the district court, but didn't go in there. And then you just rang the insurance company two, two years later, gave the claim number, and the person on the end of the phone said, okay, we, we'll settle that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was just basically the, the, the person at the other end of the phone was, you know, she could see I wasn't being unreasonable and that, you know, I wouldn't get like for like because, okay, in terms of the actual value of the car, you know, like for like might have been, you know, a, a kind of, they could have made that point. But the thing is, because I'd had that car for 10 years and I knew there was absolutely nothing wrong with it, for me, that option of having that car that I've known for 10 years with repairable yeah. cosmetic damage versus some second-hand car I might buy for 745 euros. That's, that's it was an point. obvious choice for they, me. They could, have been, they could have avoided all this if they just paid for the cost of the repairs in the first place rather than putting you through all this, this rigmarole. Grant, thank you. I, I know straight away the lines are starting to light up with people with similar experiences with their insurance companies and other people's insurance companies. Mm. This like-for-like like replacement and this kind of economic value of the car is, is a bit, bit of a problem. Thank you, Grant. Good man. 0818 
96 Dave says, PJ, car insurance is a joke. You're damned if you do, and you're damned if you don't. It's daylight robbery if you claim your premium goes up. It's all a racket. Yeah, if you do have a claim, your premium goes up. That That's true. But that's that's kind of the risk you take. It'll go up because when you claim, you lose your no claims entitlement. But over a period of time, it'll work its way down. Take it from one who knows, Dave. It works its way back down over a period of time. So the takeaway from this, says somebody else, is if you're driving an older car uh, while paying 500 euro, it's hardly worth it. Don't do it. But it's a fair rip-off. I see your point. 0818 96 96 96. It's always been the thing. Insurance company. And remember, when you're dealing with an assessor for an insurance company, they're working for the insurance company. If you have the wherewithal to get your own assessor, get your own assessor. Then they're working for you. The word independent is something of a misnomer. Details coming out now of the opening statements of both Ryan Trubbery and uh, Niall, or no, Noel Kelly, that the statements they will make to the Oireachtas committees. I said to you that Noel Kelly was coming out fighting. So too is Tubbs. He has come out fighting. Um, there's a couple of, couple of highlights from his opening speech or his opening statement to the Oireachtas committee that um, he has said there have been seven, seven untruths told about him. He says that uh, he denies he was aware the broadcaster RTE was conceding payments. He disputes any suggestion that he was involved in anything secret. He said RTE failed to disclose the full facts. And he said the statement that they issued, RTE, on June 22nd was highly damaging to him. He said they chose a horridly deeply damaging statement on June 22nd, which did not include the full facts. They're coming out fighting. Noel Kelly and Ryan Tuberty. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With Hidden Hearing, changing lives with the latest hearing health technology. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Quartz 96 FM. There's still time to nominate for the Quartz 96 FM Best of Cork Awards. Best of Cork Awards. Best of beauty salon to breakfast best barber to gym hairdresser to hotel best business instagram to best bar and more see 96fm.ie now to nominate then stay listening stay listening are you ready ready for the light the best of cork awards 23 the best of cork awards 23 you're the best only on corks 96fm scanning over the reportage of his opening statement right Ryan Tuberty is really pushing back against the idea that there were secret payments. He completely seems to reject the word secret in any way at all. And yes, they are showing it. People are showing it. Paul Rannock is at the Three Little Piggies. Paul, you're going to show it in the cafe. Morning. Good morning, Mr. Coogan. How are we doing, sir? Uh, very well, sir. Mr. Coogan was my dad's name. Just call uh, me PJ. Uh, you're showing the Oireachtas hearing in the cafe. I certainly am. Listen, this is the hardest ticket in town since the uh, tribunal with Bertie Ahern. This would be better fun, I'd say. Oh, come here, listen. And you know, I was online 
on Facebook there, I'll be honest, every, every day really, business-wise and personally, you know, and mm. the amount of people I see asking questions over the last couple of weeks, what time is it on, do you rock this TV? What time is it on? Everybody wants to see what's happening with us. <laughs> if they rock this TV sold advertising, they'd be sold out. I actually, I actually saw something during the week. Actually, would you believe that um, at one stage in the Oireachtas TV, they're viewing his nearly half a million. That's that's unheard of. <laughs> it is, yeah. isn't it? Why yeah. do you think, Paul? People are so engaged in this. Well, come here, listen. The, the, the people basically are involved in it, aren't they? They pay a license fee, which goes towards the running of RT. So it's it's. It's coming out of their pockets, and I, I, I don't blame Ryan Turberty for taking the money. Jeez, if anybody gets a top up in their ways, of course, they're going to be delighted with us. Mm. But it's the way it was done by RT themselves and kind of hidden, not illegal, but hidden. And people are angry, mm. you know? And yeah. people want answers. And I, I think if you've been watching the Oireachtas TV over the last few weeks, RT have been kind of, um, the, the directors and whatnot have been kind of working around the questions they're being asked. Like, all of a sudden, there's two barter accounts instead of one, and they're trying to say, well, it's the same barter account, but there's two, three different things involved in it, and it, it's mm. just... It, it's, it's trying to, to cover up the cracks, you know? It seems there was a lot of money being spent on things using these barter accounts. Barter accounts are part of the media business, Paul. That, that's the fact. I've been saying it. It is, it is. So, Listen, so, sometimes I, I, known as contra-deals. That's, that, that's how it goes. But this seems to have been on, on a whole Olympic level, as it were. Oh, come here, listen, when you're paying 5000 for for flip-flops, yeah. and you're, you're talking about only 200 pairs of flip-flops or something like that, it's 30, 35 quid a pair. My good God. Um, that's, that's scandalous. That's absolutely scandalous. That's something that we haven't seen in Ireland in, in donkey's years. You know, we thought all that was gone. Uh, there was not a big payment for balloons. Like... It's like, oh, jeez, I got, I got, like, if I worked in RT, oh, Jesus, Paddy there is my buddy, he does balloons. Paddy, give us a few balloons there and I'll give you a couple of grand from, you know. That's, that seems to be what was, yeah, what was going that's on. That's what it looks like. They'd, they'd probably explain it as something else entirely, but, but yeah, that, so you, are you expecting a crowd at Three Little I, I've had a few people asking me yesterday because people are aware that, that Ryan Turberty and the agent are going to be on and people were asking, Paul, are you going to throw it on? I said, yeah, I have a TV inside for security cameras. I just stream it off my phone directly onto the, um, onto the TV, but I am going to show it. So people are interested big time in, in sure seeing what he has to say. Very good. All right. Paul, thank you. Paul Brannock of Three Little Piggies. Yeah, among the things that Ryan Tubbery will say in his opening statement is, I was not overpaid by RTE at any point. I fully accept I am well paid, but I am paid fully in accordance with my contract, which my agent negotiated openly, honestly, and in good faith. There were no overpayments. His opening statement also says these are RTEs under declarations. Well, he still insists he took a pay cut. He gives the details of what's in his contract, which is 205 radio shows and 38 live late, late shows. But he's going to push back, accusing RTE of publishing a very damaging contract, sorry, statement about him back in late July. And also Noel Kelly has come out fighting on behalf of his client. I'm just going to throw this out there.
on the basis of what I'm reading about what Tubbs is going to say in the opening statement, I think Tubbs won't be back on RTE radio or television anytime soon, if ever, on the basis of what he's going to be saying to this committee, because it, it reads to me from what's coming through the various newswires, take your radio and your television and shove it where the sun don't shine. I did my best for you. I got paid well for it, but I did a lot for you. You haven't been fair to me, and I'm done. That seems to be the tone of what he's saying. We'll see over the next couple of hours. John says the payments have been made. There's nothing can be done. I think the staff will walk out and won't work with him again. That is that is something that... I would be thinking. Uh, some of the staff he worked with who put together his radio show, who worked on his Late Late Show, they were taking pay cuts. They didn't even have milk for the coffee in the fridge. At the same time as he was getting money they didn't know about. Anne says, wouldn't it have been great for RT if Ryan had laid down? I bet they never thought he'd come out swinging. Yeah, he is coming out swinging and swinging hard. And Noel Kelly will also come out swinging hard and they, they say I've look as I said I've only ever met Kelly once or twice I don't think he even realised he was in the room but a bit in his presence and he is known as a Rottweiler not the kind of guy you want confronting you across the table at a meeting it'll be very interesting to see how he gets on with people like Matty McGrath won't it 0818969696 Join the conversation This is the Opinion Line With Hidden Hearing Focused solely on your hearing health for over 35 years They're all ears Visit hiddenhearing.ie Fox96FM Bed rotting. Bed rotting. Basically, lying in bed for very long periods of time. It's called sleeping. <laughs> no, you're awake. Whether you want to just lie there and just watch Netflix. So you make a little fort kind of thing, like. I mean, if you want to make a fort. I've like. often pitched a tent. I don't know what a full <laughs> fort. Lorraine <laughs> and Ross in the morning starts this Monday. Test drive the award-winning Skoda Enyaq electric SUV at No DC Cars. Skoda Sales Dealer of the Year. Wake up. Cork's 96FM. The lines are live. Hello. Join the conversation. Call 0818 96 96 96. Extra WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Cork's 96FM. Just in case you're interested, um, and it'll be entirely up to you, I have been pushing a few buttons and clicking a few keyboards here. And if needs be... ...into the grid, and that's our approach to data centres, Deputy. We can, we can drop in grid. on the Oireachtas Committee if there's anything sensational comes up. Just confirming it, linking to the doll, just in case you want it later on. We'll see. We'll see. Tubs and in the pubs, says Frank. Yeah. Tubs in the pubs and tubs in the piggies in the in the restaurants and cafes. Can you imagine wandering into somewhere now? Like, I'm, I'm thinking actually of the the courtyard. Do you know the courtyard there uh, by the Flying Enterprise? Or that the, the probably the biggest screen in the city. I, I imagine. I don't. I, please tell me that Finbar and Dennis and Dally and them all aren't showing the Oireachtas Committee on the big screen in the yard. It's possibly on as well inside in Clancy's and a few more places. Um, 
it's it's the it's the biggest show in town. It, it's bigger than Springsteen. The Ryan Tuberty show uh, this morning, which has a certain irony to it. Tuberty says Aaron will be the Bertie Hearn of politics. He will be welcomed back to RTE in a few years. Let me know if you if you're interested. We'll keep an eye to it. Cost all these years. We are particularly great. And we are in a position to drop in and out if we want during the course of the morning. But first, to Noonan's Road and to Janice McGranger. Janice, how long have you been living there? Morning. Um, 14 years. Good morning. Oh, yeah. Now, I, we visited a place up there a year or two ago to interview someone. And t- to say those apartments or those flats could use a bit of love is, is understating it. What are you dealing with? Um, dampness, um, the, the subsiding in the side of the house. It, um, it's just, it's beyond repair now at this stage. Do you know, it, it's it's like we're doing our best you know, to keep our gardens clean and keep the inside tidy and whatever. But it, it's just, it, it's it's ruined. There's nothing you can do with them really, to be honest with you. Do you know, that. It's it's filthy. There's, it's like we're forgotten about up here, and there's mm. people a lot worse than me up here. Do you know what I mean? It's yeah. it's horrible. Like, so you have a loose window. I have a loose window, yeah. And my little girl is nonverbal. She has autism, and she has no fear. So like, she's jumping on the window. Obviously, I'm watching her, and I'm just afraid it'll go. Mm. Uh, I, if you saw pictures, or if you you'd have to see it to believe it. How bad it is. It, mm. It's horrible. And you have a crack running right up and do down know, the we're building. Always, we're always sick. The child is always sick from. The, the dampness it, it's old it's so old and, yeah. and I, I really don't think there's anything they can do with them at this stage are, you on, the, are you on the ground floor or an upper floor I'm I'm upper floor yeah okay floor. do you have I see from some of the statement that came before or the motion last night before council the petition rather um, are the balconies crumbling they are they are yeah wow so I mean, can that, you, can you do you have a little balcony hazard. I do, yeah. Do you go yeah, out? Mine's the same. Oh, you would. You'd, like you'd have to stand there because I, I'm, I join up my back garden for my, my little girl. And as I said, like it's dangerous because I'm right next to a lane. So you don't know what's being thrown over there at night time. So mm. if I go there, I have to like yeah. check if there's whatever's out there. The front garden is the same. You don't know what you're going to find. You have to go to sit in your balcony, I suppose. But geez, they're, they're literally crumbling away. Like yeah. there was a big turnout horrible. yesterday in support of there you. There was, there was, yeah. Because do you know what, we, we we feel like we're not being heard, and that that we just want people to listen to us. Like, and as as we were saying there yesterday, like from the top to the end, we're all great neighbours. We all get on. Mm. We just want somebody to like listen to us. It's not as if we want to. Oh, we're going to get rid of our our place, whatever. We are trying our best because we love it here. We love our neighbours and everything. It's just it's gone so bad. Mm. It's actually depressing to be honest with you. It's gone so bad. Yeah, the house I was in a couple of years ago, I won't mention which one it was, but like that now in the story, I I, I just happened to notice like the place could definitely have done with with a bit of love, but it goes much far beyond yeah. wallpaper and paint and new floors. Oh, a lot more, a lot more than that. Yeah. Like the, me and my neighbours, like I know, like they have beautiful homes inside. We we just try to keep them as nice as we can. Yeah. Constantly washing the walls, doing everything. But they are fighting a losing battle. Have you read like some neighbours? I don't have that problem to be honest with you because I, I'm more like I'm keeping my grass short. I'm trying to keep it clean as much as I can. Mm. And uh, you know, I don't. To be honest, I can't say I do. But right. there's older places with vacant properties and all that. That there is a lot of. Oh, there are um, some I vacant ones, are there? 
Yeah, I did before, and like we sorted, we put down poison, whatever, and as I say, just that made it my business that time then to keep my grass short, my garden as clean as I could, you know, like it was it was always clean, but you know yourself. But as, as I say, that that's only one one of a lot of problems that we have up here. Yeah, it's know? a place you pass on the bus. Um, that that's yeah. You know, there's two. Was it two so. bus routes? Like, like we were only saying there the last time. <clears throat> You're actually embarrassed to say like, and where are you from? St. Noonan's Road, and that's not our fault. Like, do you know it's not? Mm. They're there. How it's, long it's, are they there? You say you say you're there fourteen I years. I think I think nineteen fifty three or something. I could be wrong. Nineteen sixty three. It's it, they're there a while anyway. That'd make them older than me. Oh right. God, that's old. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But no, seriously, people, I mean, in terms of the balconies, and I'm, I'm reading from the Echo, uh, where they went up and they, they saw evidence that balconies were looking very, looking very frail. Mm. And we all remember June of 2015, where there was yeah. five students died in the balcony collapse in Berkeley, yeah. California. Like the, there, it's only a matter of time. It's only a matter of time. Really? There was one man going up with his washing there last week and but like fell down. It's you you really would have to see it to believe it. What fell down? The tops of them. The bit of the balcony, bit of concrete. Like right next to it. Like we were at a coffee morning last week and they, okay. they, they, another neighbour brought up like a piece of his balcony. That that's how bad it is. The tops of them, the the thing that's holding the slates together in the middle, like that that that's hanging off. Like it goes to wind or a storm now and they're gonna go flying off. It it's so dangerous. So a man is if walking out the back with washing and a piece of concrete falls. <laughs> yeah. Good yeah. lord. Yeah. And, you know, it's it's so dangerous. My window one of my windows actually broken. Like they're, they're double glazed windows. The outside is broken from the storm. I'm just afraid the next storm is it's definitely gonna come in on top of us. But hang on, what storm now? You, you what what yeah. storm was that? When when was that? When did that happen? The that bad storm we had there, beast from the east. I think it was. It well, was Chris, like that's, the, that's the nearly four or five years. It ago, just right? got worse than all the storm. Ophelia, yeah, yeah it got that's, worse than worse. Ophelia would be that's six years was, for October. Yeah, yeah. Ophelia would be six bad, years for October. Bad, bad and your window's yeah, still damaged yeah. from Ophelia, but no one came out to fix it. it, it was, uh, no, no. Yeah, I can no. see why people would feel would feel neglected. And um, stay there, Janice. Let me bring in Jackie Ashburn, who's at uh, yeah. number thirty-six. You're the secretary of the residence committee, Jackie. That's a fairly bleak picture that Janice paints, and moreover, of the pieces of balcony that seem to be falling off randomly. Morning. Good morning to you. Um, she's dead right. She's she's right in everything that she's saying. Mm. It's just getting worse and worse and worse. And nobody wants to come up and do anything. How long are you there, Jackie? I'm here 21 years. Okay, okay. And what? And in 21 years, I've been listening to them say, oh, we're coming up, we're going to do this, we're going to do that. Mm, never have. What kind of things are wrong with your flat, for example? Um, well, let's just say I have the original front door that they put on 60 years ago. And 60. it doesn't fit. You have a 60-year-old front door. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, single glazed windows where most of the others, when they when they did do some of them up, they put double glazed. But I have single glazed. And they don't fit either. Um, we have a bit of damp. I imagine um, you have with a 60-year-old front door. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it's like they just, don't want to know. They don't want to do anything for you. It's ridiculous. 
I tell you, I tell you this much. When I was on the radio with Neil Prenderville last week, or this week, whatever, I was saying about how my fire. I had a big hole in the back of my my open fire, yeah. and you could put your hand through to the back of it and pull out the installation. It was that bad. And two days later, I had a knock on my door with two guys saying, "Oh, we've come up to fix your fire." Right. And I just looked at them stupid, and and my first reaction was, I said, "Well, I said you must have come a long way." They said, why? I said, because it's only taken you five years to get here. <laughs> yeah, well, here's hoping maybe someone will move that front door for you after 60 years now as well. <laughs> after after tell, telling me all about it. I know, we, I know we can laugh, but I think it's probably a case of, Jackie, if you don't laugh, you'll cry. Exactly. Yeah. We all, we've all got to try and keep good humour up here. There's so many things wrong with so many places. My next-door neighbour... She has to have a bucket in her bedroom because she's got water coming through her ceiling. Wow. I mean, you shouldn't have to live this way. As Janice was saying, I mean, she has a young one there that's, that, that, that's, that, that's not right, and she shouldn't have to live like that. Yeah. She should not have to live. There's several people along here that have autistic children, and they shouldn't have to live in such bad conditions. What I'm thinking of, Jackie and, and, and Janice, both of you, is if we were talking to the tenants of a private complex that was in this kind of nick, oh, there would yeah. be war and councillors and politicians would be hopping up and down looking for justice for the tenants. But you're exactly. there in a council property that has fallen down around you. Yep, yep. that's right. We were quiet for and too long. Yeah. No. Come on, Janice. It's, no, it's, you, it's, you say you've been quiet for too long, too long, Janice. Yeah, yeah. I think we, we've all tried to make the best of what we have up here, and we're, that's the, just the type of people that we are. It's, it, it's like, oh, we'll, sure, we'll do that and fix it and blah blah. But it really is gone to the point where we just can't anymore. Like the, I'm wallpapering over cracks, just mm. so you can't see them. It's the house is falling apart. This place was was deemed unsafe to have scaffolding put up to the side to fix the subsiding. So, and but we still have to live here. Hold on, it's subsiding to the point where it's, it's unsafe to put up a scaffolding. Yeah, yeah. And you're living in it. And we're living in it. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? What needs to happen if you're to listen to anybody that seems to know building is you need to be all moved out, rehoused, and the place refurbished over a period of time. Oh, but, definitely, yeah. yeah. Oh, I agree. We agree with you there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. This, this something has to be done. We can't carry on like this. We're just. We. I'm so grateful for 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 William and all that he's done. And thank God that yeah. we can get oh, on the radio and make it known that there's all this going on. Yeah, this is William O'Brien, the chairperson. We'll yes. probably talk to him at some point yeah. too. Yeah. Fantastic, had, he's been great. And you had a big He's really big after standing up for us all. What, what reaction did it get in the council last night? I don't know. We haven't heard. No, yeah. We haven't heard back anything, though. No. Yeah, there was the, I have a printout of the petition here. We petitioned Cork City Council to carry out immediate risk assessments of the Noonan's Road flat complex. We're calling for immediate housing inspections and for emergency repairs to protect the welfare of social housing tenants. 
We need the chief executive to step up and act accordingly to this crisis at Noonan's Road. We request that the local plans be put on hold and revisited. It's now public knowledge, and this is the strong strong line, it's now public knowledge that the entire environment and neighbourhood at Noonan's Road is no longer value for money, that there continues to be a failure in your own values to provide a people-centric approach. Now look, it's it, effectively they're saying it is no longer fit for human habitation. What are you going to do for these people? Yep. It's been allowed to go to rack and ruin. Janice and Jackie, we will come back to this. Thank you both for being with me. I wish you luck with it. Um, as I said, I was there a couple of years ago just in pursuit of a different story uh, and it's, it, it, it's in dire need of love shall we say, to say the very, very least. But if you have bits of balcony falling down while someone is taking out their washing, you've cracks, you can see asbestos, you have damp, you have people collecting bucket water in buckets in their bedrooms. And it's a council house. And I just observed it as I was reading about it and preparing for this morning. If we were here talking about a private landlord or a private accommodation, the, the the usual suspects would be hopping up and down to have something done. They're rather quiet this morning. 0818 96 96 96. Let me go back to some stuff from the first hour and we will podcast uh, my conversation with James Leonard of the two Naris who was responding to what Sally Hanlon was saying yesterday from Support After Crime Services about parents being responsible for the the wrongdoings, as it were, of their teenagers. Uh, That was an interesting and accurate description of how things with young people and situations are at the moment. Worth addressing, well presented. James is right. Social services in schools, uh, a child accept help at 12 or 13, they're still young enough. If with early intervention, a lot of this can be avoided. As they get older, it's much more difficult. Every child is great at something. They need to feel valued and they need to have goals. 0818 96 96 96. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With Hidden Hearing, changing lives with the latest hearing health technology. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Cox 96 FM. Let's see if this started yet. There was holy war a minute or two ago inside the doll about something. I don't know, the Count Corley was banging his gong, his gavel, and whatever. Having consulted a forum. And international security policy will build a deeper understanding. Oh, there's me all the going on about something I don't know. But if we need to, or if we want to drop into the Eroctus um, Committee, we can, and we will. 0818 96 96 96. But for now, we have been asked many times about getting potatoes and Barry's tea and dairy milk chocolate. You might be sending them to Sydney or to Singapore or to San Francisco or to Malaysia, or some strange place like that, you'd be asked to get whichever, send away a bit of a few potatoes and a few bars of Cadbury's Dairy Milk chocolate and a few boxes of Barry's tea bag, whichever, pack them up and send them over to Singapore because we'd stuck for them here. Wouldn't have expected to be getting a call like that from a place I know well, Puerto del Carmen in uh, Lanzarote. Um, but uh, Pauline Bourne, Morning, Pauline. Morning, PJ. How are you? Yes, we um, we have a little cafe and uh, quite a lot of Irish people 
eat in our cafe for breakfast. But when they see the sign, and we have a sign up in the window for Tato and Barry's Tea, it's always very popular with the Irish. Of course it is. Now you're down there on the Avenida, on the walk along the seafront, Cafe Yum Yum. Tell me the story of Cafe Yum Yum. Cafe Yum Yum has been around for the last 12 to 15 years and different owners throughout that time. But the previous owners that we bought it off um, were another Cork couple. We met them out here cycling by on the main avenida and just said, oh, look, that's a lovely cafe. You have very nice, nice Irish breakfast and so on and so forth. And we just got to know them. And we, we had no intentions of um, going into the business because we didn't work at this business. My cooking was dreadful and everybody knows that. And um, we spoke to them and we just made an offer. And just like that, we became Yum Yum owners. Right. And, and it's... we'll be five years owning the cafe next May. That's brilliant. So yes. is it difficult to get things like various tea and potatoes and dairy milk it used to be okay when the shop called Overseas uh, imported a lot of uh, products yeah. like that. But they've moved out of Porto Carmel and there's only one left in up the road and play a Honda. But they, it was too expensive as well, PJ. So I, the idea came across when I just said I'll ask people to bring stuff back when they come back. And I would speak to them while they're here on holidays and give them a lovely Irish breakfast. And I'd say to them, any chance when you come back, bring some Tato or Barry's tea or dairy <laughs> chocolate milk? And they'd laugh. And I said, you become my mules and <laughs> you can sneak into your suitcases and bring it over. And it became a joke throughout the years that these people would do this for me. But stock was running low, so I needed to put out um, a request, and I did. So you're asking people, and there are loads of people going out over the next couple of weeks, myself included, by the way. I'll be in there for breakfast at some stage towards the end of the month. But you're asking people to bring out potatoes. Yes. Cheese and onion seems to be the most popular Right, and the multi-packs. You, get, you actually get them in the airport. I was up there yesterday. You get them in the airport, yep. the multi-packs. Yeah, and people, unfortunately, brought, bought them in the airport and, of course, left them on the plane. <laughs> and I said, well, you're not getting breakfast. You have to go back and get some more, and then you can have your breakfast. Joking. But, they, you know, it's, it's, it's very good. They're very good. A lot of people are very good, and a lot of return customers, which is fantastic for us. I promise they'll bring you out a multi-pack or two, but tell me the story. You just upped and moved yourself and is it Tony is your husband's name? Yes, um, we upped and moved. We sold the house in Carrigaline in Waterpark and we just came out here for a better life and we are having it. Was it a case of you'd always wanted to do it or just got a notion? It was, well, because we used to come out on holidays here quite regularly throughout the years. We loved it. It was like a magnet. We were drawn to it every time. You were there throughout, through COVID? Oh, yeah. It was very, very strict out here uh, and very hard, very, very hard. But, you know, every, you just get through it. Yeah. And we were one of the lucky ones that we held on to our business. Yeah, a lot of places went under or closed and never yes. came back. Yeah. And are there any restrictions left? No, it's almost back to normal. Yeah, because last year I was in Tenerife, there was still masks on the bus. Do, do you need masks on the bus now? No, none whatsoever. Taxis are buzzed. And I think it's lifted also in hospitals as well. So it's all done. So if anybody 
would like to pick you up a couple of multi-packs of cheese and onion crisps and find you on the Avenidas. You're at number 54. Give me a, a landmark that's near to, to Yum Yum's that people might find you. It would be near San Antonio Hotel. Know it very well. It's just literally down the road from San Antonio Hotel on yeah. the main Avenida. Can't get better directions than that. Pauline, I know that people listening will be travelling over the next couple of weeks. It will ring me now saying, we have enough potatoes. <laughs> oh, we never have enough. <laughs> we never have enough. Never. How's the weather out there right now? Really, really lovely. We're getting a bit of a heat wave now in the next two or three days. Yeah. Temperature probably rise between 38 to 40. But the breeze is the saviour. And please, please, everyone, uh, sun cream. Yeah. Respect the sun. Respect it. Enjoy it, but respect it. Pauline, see you in a couple of weeks. Take care. You're very good, and I hope to see you, and I hope you enjoy our breakfast when you come. Thanks, Pauline. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye, dear. Pauline Bird. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Uh, from Yum Yum's Cafe on the Avenida de las Playas there in Puerto del Carmen, number 54, near the Antonio Hotel. If you're heading out this weekend on any one of the flights, <laughs> you bring her a couple of multi-packs of potatoes. And I think you might get a little breakfast in reply or in, in, in return outside there. That'd be f- that's fun. Uh, that, that's, they're looking for potatoes. And if you have chocolate and ox- oxtail soup, Barry's tea, box of Barry's tea bag, tea bags. Slip it into the suitcase. They, they left, moved from Carrigaline uh, four or five years ago. In, in fact, when 
Pauline rec- recognised my, my number. Uh, she had my number in her phone. That's where we were setting this call up yesterday and the lads were talking to her saying, oh, I have PJ's number in my phone. I'm ringing myself. <laughs> what? We used to have a... She used to know me from down the Gaelic Clango. It's funny. It's a very small world. 0818 96 96 96. Shall we see what they're at inside and where they are? Uh, there's there's Radical Gorman. Those decades of progress that we should not dismiss a person's profound sense of who they are. We're not on the uh, committee channel yet. Uh, they're not started yet on the uh, Public Accounts Committee or the Media Committee. 0818 96 96 96. So should your children pay rent is a question I'll be asking you later. So many kids moving back home or staying at home longer than they planned to. Um, would you charge them rent? It's amazing they've kept a sense of humour. But in all seriousness, they're paying good money to live like this. As a landlord, can the council not be brought before the PRTB, asks Frank, which is a very good question. I'm not certain, Frank. I would imagine that a landlord they could be. Just a story that we want to let you know we are aware of. It's, it's covered in the examiner this morning. Own English is writing about it. We certainly have had some correspondence over the last number of days and I've spoken personally to one or two residents neighbours in the area this is the story that Owen has where the guards say inquiries are ongoing after a man was confronted at the weekend by an online child protection vigilante group about allegedly grooming children online this was a video streamed live in a housing estate on Saturday. The man's in his 60s. And the group leader said they have Facebook profiles and they have copies of his online history and that he'd been set up with decoys and the vigilante also claims to have explicit photographs and etc, etc. The guards did arrive. According to the vigilantes, they called the guards. And the guardy have been asked if a man had been arrested. And all they have said, this is according to the examiner, is that guardy attached to Watercourse Road Guard Station are aware of an incident that occurred around 9.30pm on Saturday. That's all that they will say. I did speak yesterday to one or two concerned residents. Not for air yet. We're just keeping an eye on the situation. We are very well aware of it. It's a delicate situation. We don't know whether a man has been arrested or not, we just know that he spoke to Gardaí. We do not know if any charges will or will not follow, which makes it a difficult and legally sensitive situation. But just to let you know, we are across it and we are talking to people involved. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With Hidden Hearing, focused solely on your hearing health for over 35 years. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Cox 96 FM. The Cork Diary. Cork's 96FM. The Galleyhead Swim is back for another year, taking place this time round on Saturday, the 22nd of July. This iconic 10-kilometre swim will see swimmers starting at the Red Strand before tackling the legendary waters around Galleyhead and finally the long 6-kilometre-legged to the Warren in Rosscarbury. This year, the event will be raising money for Marymount Hospice, Cancer Connect and Co-Action. For more info, go to the website galleyheadswim.com. If 
you have an event you would like mentioned, email the details to corkdiary at 96fm.ie. Do you know what I meant to get your, your thoughts on? Is this proposal from some Green Party TD or other that you might or might not heard of, that July the 12th should be a public holiday. This is uh, um, Deputy Patrick Costello. He's a member of the Good Friday Agreement Eroctus Committee. Did you even know there was one of those? But there is. It's a public holiday north of the border, the 12th of July celebrating the Battle of the Boyne, etc., etc., etc. But now Patrick Costello reckons it should be a public holiday in the Republic. He says it's an extremely important one historically for this island and culturally for many people who live here. He said the Good Friday Agreement required blah, 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 blah. blah. But he wants, the, he wants the 12th of July to be a public holiday. Remember we were talking last week about whether we should get another bank holiday. Some people think we should get one maybe in September. Uh, but this fella, this fella Costello, I know nothing about him. I've never met him, probably never will. But he wants, he's a Green Party TD. And this is the latest one to come from the Greens. <laughs> or from A Green, not the Greens. A Green, to be fair. A Green. He says that July the 12th should be a public holiday. July the 12th is actually tomorrow. Yeah, tomorrow. So if he gets his way, we'll all be off tomorrow. <laughs> Can't see it happening, can you? What would you think? July the 12th, Feast of King Billy and all that. Um, it's a public holiday in the north. It can get fairly lively up there as well in the north and has done over the years. Should it be a public holiday? Your thoughts? 0818 96 96 96. Now something else. Sinead Ryan... Your daughter's home, I think, from the UK, uh, living at home again, boomeranging, and it's causing differences at home, is it? Good morning. Good morning. Uh, no, it's not my daughter. I wrote. I write a column for the Irish Independent, I see. Okay. and I uh, a, a reader had contacted me to say that her daughter had moved back home, and uh, she was waiting on her dream job to drop. And in the meantime, uh, she wasn't paying rent. It was only supposed to be a few weeks. It's now been eight months. And her father was all for her paying rent while she's there because she has a full-time job. It's just not the job she hoped for. And mum says, no, uh, she should save up all her money and there's no need. But they are financially strained. So they are finding things difficult. And and I presume like any uh, young lady, she is showering and she is using heat and light and food and all of the other things that go into a household. So I I suggested in advice to her that in fact, I'm with dad here. I, I really do believe that all working children should pay rent. Uh, the amount, of course, is up for debate and it's different for everybody. But I do believe the principle is really, really important. Yeah, but if she's trying to save to get a place of her own, if she has to pay, pay rent at home, that's kind of dead money, isn't it? Well, it is a kind of a fine line. So, you know, it, it maybe the agreement could be it wouldn't be market rent. You know, it wouldn't be the rent you'd charge a, a lodger you didn't know. Uh, but I think it's reasonable if somebody is working that, you know, you've done a lot of your parenting, you've got them up, educated, out the door. If they boomerang back by choice, 
Well, you know what? I, I think it's important that they are seen to contribute to the household and, and not just revert to kind of teenage, uh, you know, sentiments again. So what, what, what you could do as a baby step is take rent offer. I mean, you want you want your kids to live well, but you don't want them to live so well that they never leave mm-hmm. uh, and maybe take it off them. Push it away if you can afford to do so. And then when they're ready to move, you can nearly gift it back to them. It's it's just a point of principle, PJ. And I think it's really, really important for parents. Yeah. We have children for a lot longer nowadays than we were children. Uh-huh. Uh, and as a result, you know, and the, there's a housing crisis, a rental crisis. I get that. But I mean, you can have kids living at home up to 30 uh, and you know, we we can keep them as children a lot longer than maybe they should be. And and I think it's important to treat them as adults, which yeah. is what they are. If they can hold down a full-time job, well, then they should be contributing to the household. Yeah, but they also are in a situation that I certainly didn't f- find myself confronted with in that before you can get a mortgage, you have to have a hefty wedge of money saved. And if you're handing over... It- money to mom and dad to pay for your contribution to the heating and lighting and Netflix and food and all that kind of carry on you're not going to be able to put it away and save so if they come home they should be home to save uh, perhaps you do need a 10% uh, of the purchase price as a first time buyer uh, as a deposit. And it's a big ask for a lot of people because uh, certainly around the country, according to the DAF.ie latest index, the average house price is €320,000, which is €32,000 of a deposit. And in Dub- certain parts of Dublin, including Dublin City, it is uh, up to 500000 So, So it is a massive ask either way. Uh, and I think it is important that we allow our children the time and space to save and to gather that deposit together and lots and lots of people, uh, one in five, get a gift from the bank of mom and dad to buy their house Uh, and it is definitely uh, a touchstone for many, many families. Do you have them kind of at home contributing nothing and saving, in which case you're just gifting them money anyway because you're paying all their bills Mm. Uh, or do they contribute something small and get into that habit? And remember, banks will very often take into account they, they're interested in your entire income and what you're spending your money on. So paying rent or paying and contributing to that to the place where you're living actually marks you down as a good borrower because mm. banks know you're disciplined, you can do this, you can put money by every month and you're not, uh, you know, spending it on other things. So look, it is a fine line uh, and it's certainly cheaper than maybe renting in a house share uh, but I think it's important that, that everybody pays their way a little bit. Yeah. You're, you're with dad here then. <laughs> I really am. Now, listen, the amounts might vary. You know, da- if dad is saying, oh, she has to pay full market rent as if we got in a lodger. Well, uh, look, that's probably a bit harsh and I'm not sure that's what was intended. But, you know, if you are contributing to the food in the fridge and the heat and the light and the broadband, uh, you know, I think it's important that even even a token amount uh, is payable. And as I say, if parents can afford it and they don't need the money, put it by for your kids. Put it in a deposit account. Gift it back to them when the time comes. I wouldn't be telling them that, by the way. <laughs> uh, you do you do want your kids to live well, but you, you know h- how irritating might it be for a parent who hopes their child will be saving for a house deposit and maybe they're out in the town 
they're getting their hair done, they're yeah. buying new clothes, they're yeah. getting in boxes from Amazon. Do you know, it, it, it can cause tension in itself. Uh, yeah, I could, I, I could see that. If you, if you decide not to take rent off your boomeranger because they're saving <laughs> for a house and then they're out on Friday, Saturday and Sunday and they're going off on their holidays, you're kind of saying, well, what, who's, who's the aegis here? That's it. And you're still then parenting them. And and look, you know, the good thing about putting it on a kind of a commercial footing is you're paying rent in here. That means uh, you get free reign of the shower when you need it. You get to watch Netflix if you want it. You can kind of eat whatever's in the fridge, you know, and, and they're, you're living then with an adult in in a kind of a more... Um, uh, grown-up arrangement. So mm. you're not madly coddling your child. You're not treating them like a child. You're not doing their laundry behind their back. You know, let, let's treat our adult children as adults. Yeah. A contribution to the energy bills certainly wouldn't hurt anyway, for sure, because they're gone so expensive now. If you have a youngster, well, they could be returned in their late 20s or even early 30s, they're using a telly, they're using heating, they're using lighting, they're working full-time. Couldn't hurt to take money off them for the energy bills at least. Exactly. And look, I think it's a it's a very, very important life lesson to learn. I mean, it's different. I'm not sure about you, but I'm of an age where you, you're expected to be in a job and working from the age of 21. If you wanted anything, you bought it and you saved up for it and you did it yourself. Uh, and that included leaving home. Mm. And it's very hard now for people to leave home at that age because of the uh, housing crisis and the rental market and the way things are. Uh, but that's no reason not to, uh, you know, to keep them in cotton wool and say, don't worry about it, honey, I'll pay for everything while you're still here. Yeah. Now, our daughter um, is is living outside the home now. She has, she's living in, in, in the city here. They have a couple of her friends, they have an apartment together. But I kind of think if she wanted to save for a house and she came home, we, we would have this discussion. I, I, I'd i be the worst though. I'd, I'd be, daddy would be the softie. Whereas mom would be inclined to say no if she's co- if she's going out the Saturday night, and she's saving up to go to her on her holidays in in August. Well, she can damn well make a contribution. So yeah, and look, it doesn't have to be the full rent. If your child boomerangs back home because they are specifically trying to save for a house mortgage and they genuinely want to do that, don't charge them rent. But that doesn't mean they can't contribute to the utility and the food bills in the house. So it's about the principle rather than the amount. You're not trying to strip your, strip your kids dry because they're never going to leave if yeah. you do that. <laughs> uh, it's really just about saying, do you know what? Uh, you're eating a third of the food. You have to pay for a third of the food. I, I don't see anything wrong with that at all. And, you know, most well brought up kids, if you've been parenting them well, will actually want to do that. Uh, and they're not going to be overly selfish. They, they really will. And uh, it's not really just about oh, they'll bring home a bottle of wine every so often or buy you a bunch of flowers. I think it has to be an arrangement. This is what things cost in the house uh, and this is your contribution towards it. Yeah. I, I think where I would certainly agree with you is in terms of the energy bills because they've gone up and you say, okay, come home, love. That's great. You're more than welcome. Your bedroom will always be there. There'll always be food in the fridge. But you might consider dropping us a few quid every week for the lighting and the heating. Oh, I wouldn't start with that now. You might consider because they'll say, I have considered it. I have no intention of doing it. I'd say, let's sit down, have a look at the bills over the year. So it's not a discussion then. You've been trying to tell them. If you want to come back, your bedroom will always be there. But there's your for a week for the... Listen, 
if they're going to get into a mortgage and grown up stuff like bank loans, <laughs> no bank is going to sit them down and say, when you've got a few spare bob, you might this consider contributing to your mortgage. This is <laughs> so, true. So let them, let them start out with uh, how life actually you, looks you, rather you, than you how you see you what it is, Sinead. I, I think you'll have a lot of people who say, you know what, their, their home should be their safe space and it should be the place where they're, they feel that there's no pressure on them and, and all that. And you'd, you'd probably have some conflict in people's minds about it. I think it's a lovely safe space and mum and dad love them very, very much. And there are bills to pay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I Look, I'd be, I'd be an old softy. I would. Do you know, I definitely, I definitely would. Be accused of it anyway. Well, then, well, then you can possibly look forward to having all of your children around you for the rest of your life. And good luck to that. Yeah. Well. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's, there's 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 three of us, and my mother still says she's still raising us. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Sinead, we'll throw it out to the floor and see what people think. Thank you very much. All right. Bye. Cheers, that's Sinead Ryan. Um, so there you have children. Should you charge them rent when they come home? They come home after being away working or they come home after being out renting for a while. Would you charge them rent? I, I, I think I would be very torn, but that's just me being, being soft. Frank says, growing up in the 70s and 80s in a family of 13... 13! As soon as someone got engaged, they stopped paying housekeeping to ma'am and then saved towards their wedding. Hi, PJ. The way it was done at home when we were young was as soon as you got a full-time job, regardless whether you earned a 100 or a 1,000 euro, you handed up a third of your salary and wages at home. And that's from Catherine. On the 12th of July, Craig says, God, PJ, who'd have predicted the Greens would go orange? <laughs> Dominic, on the 12th of July, Patrick Costello says it should be a public holiday. What say you? Good morning. Good morning. What do you think? I don't think so. Uh, I do not think it's the people in Northern Ireland, the lovely people. Um, but you'd only get a green TD suggesting a thing like that. Why? Well, they're very unpopular now as it is. And that'll make them more unpopular. But why would it make... Wouldn't we all love another few public holidays? Um, I suppose we would, but uh, not the 12th of July. The 13th of July, maybe. Right, right. We, what, why in particular not not the 12th of July? Well, you, it's a celebrated thing in the north of Ireland. Yeah. Do they celebrate any of our holidays? We would share a number of common public holidays in the course of the year, Dominic, yeah? Yeah. They celebrate St. Patrick's Day, for example. Oh, they do, yeah. You know? Well, I don't know, anyway. I do hope that that uh, TD gets a long holiday away from Dolly or anyway, <laughs> after the next election, anyway. That's all I can say, anyway. I have no other comment to make yeah, on it. Yeah, well, okay, okay. The ba- I mean, the Battle of the Boyne and all of that... And there, there is a, you know, there's a bridge over the Boyne dedicated to our former president, Mary McAleese, and all of her work in, in, the, peace, right, yeah. in the peace process. It's kind of might be an interesting follow-on to, to have a, a day. Mm. Dominic, Dominic doesn't agree anyway. Dominic reckons that, that, that Patrick Costello should get more than a public holiday. He should get a long holiday by losing his seat at the next election. 
Uh, and in the north, they do celebrate St. Patrick's Day. I don't know, is it a public holiday in the north? I'm not 100% sure of that. But I know they celebrate it. I know they mark it. Of course they do. They have parades in Belfast and Derry and all those wonderful places in the north. So there you are. Patrick, T- Patrick Costello, Green Party TD, would like us all to have a public holiday on the 12th of July, which would be tomorrow, by the way. Which would be tomorrow, if we were having it. Probably what we would do in this country, and I like the way we do it, is we wouldn't have a public holiday in the middle of the week. We might have it in the sun, the Monday before the twelfth, or the Monday, the Monday nearest the twelfth. So we just have had a bank holiday. Yesterday would have been a public holiday if Patrick Costello had his way to mark the twelfth of July. Now, as someone who has watched things that happened in the north over the years on the 12th of July and its parade season and marching season, I'd be inclined to have a feeling that you'd be drawing that on us down here. And I'm wondering that Patrick Costello made this call in the wake of, did you see it over the weekend? I thought I was reading it wrong, but I read it in more than one paper. Was there one of the bonfires in the north they put a big picture of Leo Varadkar up on the side of it. Now, now say what you want about Leo Varadkar, and people will. <laughs> oh boy, they will. Putting his picture up on the side of a loyalist bonfire is cert- sending a certain message, isn't it? On um, charging kids rent. I don't think it should even be a thought, says Marie. It should be a given that a working child would pay towards their room and board. Hi PJ, when I turned 18 and started working for the first time, I had to pay rent while working on minimum wage. It was either hand up money or find somewhere else to live. And that's from Ryan. Look, I'm probably a little bit privileged in that I never had to do it. I did give up money when I was at home. Keep myself from spending every cent I had. My mother would take a fair chunk of my wages off me. I'd give them to her, leave them out for her. I always had money, and if I wanted more, it was there for me. But I was never actually charged rent. 0818 96 96 96. The best version of rent I've seen is a family charging rent but putting it away into a savings account. When the time came that the son and daughter wanted to buy a home, they were gifted back a lump sum of their own money to speed things up. Thanks all. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Live. With Hidden Hearing, changing lives with the latest hearing health technology. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Cox 96 FM. The minds are live. Join the conversation. Call 0818 96 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Cox 96FM. Uh, I had a, a thought in my head uh, yesterday. This came to mind that it is 12 years ago this week. In fact, tomorrow would be exactly 12 years since a very, very special little four-legged creature left my life. And I have never gotten over him. Uh, I speak of Herbie, a little cavalier King Charles that we had from 
nine weeks old and we got him to just under 12 years old and he had that awful heart condition that so many of them have and it's worse in the tricolours which is what he was and the poor old devil by the time he got to nearly 12 he he was bunched absolutely bunched and the vet was telling us look put him on medication but really I'm doing it for you rather than for him and he might last six months he might last a year you might find him dead in his basket some morning so we took the decision uh, this time 11 12 years ago in 2011 to bring him to the vet um and it was heartbreaking. And I read a piece in the Irish Times yesterday about the death of a pet. And it brought all the memories of, of poor old Herbie back. And uh, hopefully I get a chance to chat uh, later this hour with the man who wrote that piece in in the Times. But, but I also was thinking to myself, it's 12 years on. 12 years on and I'm st- I, I look, I have no other dogs in my life now. You hear me talking about them often enough. Um... One in particular with two dogs, a little King Charles called Bella and a little Cavachon called Harry. And Harry's my pal. And uh, I, I don't know what I'd do without him. I do not know what I would do without him. He's, he's nearly seven now. I do not know what I would do without him. But still, he's not another, he's not, he's not, he's not Herbie. But if you've had that experience in your life, you'd be interested and we'll chat about it in a little while. On the 12th of July, and Patrick Costello, seriously? Seriously? Says this message. He wants us to celebrate the 12th when those same orange men burnt our national flag on a bonfire last weekend. That's a hate crime. He should be ashamed of it. Yeah. A lot of response to charging kids rent. D, what would you do? Good morning. Good morning. Well, when we were young, we had to hand our pay packets over to our mother without opening them, and she gave us money back. Yeah, I always thought that was... I, I didn't like that. I thought that was an yeah. awful way to, to well, be. That's the way. So when my son started his first part-time job, I told him he had to pay towards the rent, electricity and food. Oh no, it was only €25. Euro. Yeah. I wasn't going to charge him an arm and a leg, hmm. but um, he gave it to me no problem. And then his now wife, when she moved in, when she, he, his girlfriend... I charge them fifty. <laughs> mm. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I well, wonder... both of them, neither of them are working, and I was working six days or five days a week and two late nights. Yeah. So I felt, come on out. <laughs> yeah. You have to pay your way. I wonder, does anybody still do that? That I don't know. Either the man, well, the man come on, the wife. The man can mm. hand up the whole pay. Although, you see, you don't get pay packets no. anymore. No one no, gets a pay no. packet Goes anymore. Goes into your account. Goes straight into your account. <laughs> but the idea that you'd come home, and I know that lots mm. of husbands did this, was they come home. <laughs> they come home and the pay packet was put up on the kitchen table. And if uh. it wasn't, if it had been opened, they'd be held to pay. <laughs> oh well, I I never saw my dad handing up his pay back. Did you not? <laughs> Did you not? But when but you I when you came it, home, you had to. Oh yeah, but when my first pay was eight pounds, right. my first pay packet. Yeah, and I handed it to her, and she handed me a bag, and I said, "What's that? I bought you a lovely blouse and skirt out of your money, your first pay packet." So I got nothing back except a skirt and a blouse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that reminds me of a story. That reminds me of. <laughs> 
I know. That that reminds me of a story that my, my wife used to tell. That she, she won a tenner uh, in a draw and her mother bought a toaster and said, you'll have lovely toast now in the mornings. <laughs> I know. Oh, I know, I know. I know. Devastated. Yeah, but, but you but, know what? I thought it was my son, the world of good. Yeah. He, he, he manages money now so perfectly. So, I don't know how he does it. So you'd have no problem with charging no. rent to a boomeranging no. child? No, well, a huge amount. Just yeah. a little bit. Not you know, just to, Yeah, it gives them, does them no harm. As I say, he's fantastic now with managing money. Yes. They eventually, they moved out when they got married and uh, now they've moved a couple of flats, apartments, and now they have their own house uh, and they both have great jobs and, you know, so... And you like to think that your your lesson in financial responsibility led led partly to the, at least to, to that. Dee, thank you. 0818 96 96 96. I, 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 I see Tubbs would, would be coming up very, very shortly on the committee. Frank... On, on Patrick Costello's wonderful idea to make the 12th of July a public holiday. What would you think? He's absolutely... Well, it doesn't surprise me with the Greens anyway, but it's, it's absolutely crazy. PJ, do you remember the Love, or the Love Ulster Parade? I do. There was, I mean, Charlie Bird was nearly killed that day. Like. That's right. You know, battered around the streets of Dublin. No. We know damn well. It, the exact same thing would happen again. There's too much bad blood... Because it's always been portrayed not as a traditional parade, but as a sectarian parade. Yes, it's true. And, and I, I, mean, I remember one year we were driving on holidays around Ireland, myself and Queen Bee, and I have to say that we were heading towards north yeah. for a day or two, and I was listening to Jerry Ryan, God rest him, yeah. and there was a reporter on Jerry's programme and suggested that anyone who was thinking of heading up to visit... Don't. Give it a day or two. Sure, I mean... Give it a day or two. PJ, around Cork, over the years, well, when I grew up, we'd say it's 70s, 80s and that, mm. the biggest influx of tourists for that particular week or two were from the north. Getting out of it. Hold on, Frank, you'll be interested in this. Hang on. Tubbs, I'm Tubbs I'm is in the committee. I have it on, I'm listening to it. <laughs> As the evidence provided to you today... <laughs> Talk again, Frank, we'll give it, we'll give right. it two minutes, all right, cheers. Take care of it. Give this a couple of minutes. And we thought the manner in which they were planning to account for my earnings in 2017, 18 and 19 was incorrect, and we had understood that they accepted our position, so that by the time they released the figures, I assumed that the chief financial officer, the financial professionals in RTE, and the external auditors who had audited the accounts in these years, 17, 18, 19, had accountancy reasons for accounting for it the way they did. So I'd like to add that my company earnings fully reflect what I earned in these and all subsequent years. I'm particularly upset and disappointed about the decision and framing of the RT statement of June 22nd, which inextricably linked my name to this whole fiasco. My name was mentioned 15 times in that statement. 15 times. And I was not consulted once. I did not have the Grant Thornton report, which RT had, and which RT acknowledged made no findings of wrongdoing on my part. I asked RT to clarify that this was the case. They did. Four days, four days after much of the, da- much of the damage was done, pretty much all of the damage was done, I signed a contract in good faith. I declared my earnings. I paid every cent of tax. My employer has acknowledged that it has engaged in deceptive practices to pay me practices that were hidden from me. The result, I'm nearly finished, forgive me for overgoing. 
And Give the result of this is that I've become the face of a national scandal. I've been accused of being complicit, deceitful and dishonest. I think the statement of June the 22nd was very unhelpful in this regard. The full truth was concealed. I take full responsibility. I can't say it enough. I take full responsibility for not asking more questions back on January the 20th, 2021, when the figures for that 2017, 18 and 19 were released. I take responsibility for that. I understand. But as be has become abundantly clear and obvious in the last three weeks. This highlights the existence of two RTEs. Two. There are those who are involved in attempting to conceal payments and who are in a position to call me or call my agent and ask for our help in establishing the full facts. Instead, they chose to hurriedly issue a deeply, deeply damaging statement on June 22nd, which failed to include the full facts. I have nothing but respect and admiration for that great number of decent, hardworking people in RTE, my colleagues, my friends. And I'm very sorry for those whose lives have been made difficult with an incessant dripping of new revelations. I'm thinking particularly of my radio show colleagues and friends, that they've had to be put through all of this for reasons not of their own making. They work hard. They all work hard in RTE. And I want to thank those colleagues who have supported me through these last few weeks. And in closing, I'd like to thank the many people from across the country who've taken time to stop me on the street, decent Irish citizens, taking my shoulder and my elbow in their hands and saying, you'll get through this. I have nearly a foot off the ground high, ground high of cards and letters from people who have written to Ryan Tuberty, Dublin, and I got them fair play to the post people in on post, and I thank the Irish people for that. I am hopeful that they will see from my statement and my appearance here today that I am determined to inform them of the truth and to demonstrate that I have nothing to hide. And I'm also hopeful that I will soon get back on air to do the job I love. Thank you all for your patience. Thank you, Mr. Roberty. Uh, Mr. Kelly, no, it's normally five minutes for opening statements. Okay, Noel Kelly is taken to the podium now, but I think we just wanted to drop in on Tubbs for a minute or two. If there's anything specifically comes out of what Noel, Te Noel Kelly has to say, we'll, we'll go to that. I think we keep, keep an eye to it. Just on charging your kids' rent, PJ, my daughter, is working still at home, going to college, not paying a penny to the house. She says she wants to go on holidays with us this year. No problem, love, says I. But you pay your own way, dear girl. And she agreed, says Jerry. I handed up at home when I was younger. I have one child, an adult, really, daughter, wouldn't take a penny off her, even though she works part-time. She saves as much as she can. She's the best, says Mick. No. Should you charge rent? No. But the rule is I'll put a roof over your head. I won't put a car under your backside. You pay for your lessons. Save for your deposit. If you want a drink, that's on you. Older kids at home, if they're saving, aren't moving back in with their parents for the crack. They want out as much as you want them settled. There's no point taking more off them, says Kevin. If you're an adult and you're living at home, you should help towards the bills within your means. It's responsible and respectful. Why would you not help out, says Helen. It's kind of divided on whether or not you should charge your children rent. Will we catch a minute of Noel Kelly and see what he's on about here? Hold on. Relevant years, various mails which track the back and forth of the negotiations for the 2020 OT contract with Renault. We've made redactions where necessary, but we've been as transparent as possible to inform you uh, with all the information at our disposal. 
I want to highlight a number of documents which we go which will go to the heart of the issues. Okay, there's no no real juice in there for us just yet, but we'll come back to it if there is. Join the conversation. This is the opinion line with Hidden Hearing, focused solely on your hearing health for over 35 years. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Cork's 96 FM. There's still time to nominate for the Cork's 96 FM Best of Cork Awards. Best of Cork Awards. Best of all is now. Best beauty salon to breakfast. Best barber to gym. Hairdresser to hotel. Best business Instagram to best bar. And more. See 96fm.ie now to nominate. Then stay listening. Stay listening. Are you ready, ready for the light? The Best of Cork Awards 23. The Best of Cork Awards 23. You're the best. Only on Cork's 96FM. Say if uh, Noel Kelly goes in, studs up, which we think he might... I'll go to it live, or if there's any lively questioning with him now at the end of the show, we can go across live to the Oireachtas Committee. Don't You won't miss a highlight. Well, I was just saying to you there at the top of the hour, and it was kind of reading Damien Cullen's piece in the Irish Times that reminded me of it's 12 years ago this week that I had to... I brought him to the vet, and I had to say fond and broken-hearted farewell to, I always say, the grandest dog that ever lived. Um, Herbie was a tricolour Cavalier King Charles. We had him from nine weeks old and we got him to just short of 12 years old and that awful heart condition that the calves have. Uh, the vet said, said look, we could, I can keep him going, but really, it's only a few months and it's kind of only for you. So we had the conversation and you know yourself, and I'm still not over him. Damien, then it was your column reminded me of the date um, that it's this week, 12 years ago. I hate to tell you, my friend, but you'll still feel about that way about Roxy in 10 or 12 years. Good morning. Uh, good morning. Hi, and uh, uh, what you call it? Uh, uh, yeah, I, I really listened to what you said there and thought, yeah, that that that, that sounds familiar. Um um, well, uh, we're certainly not over Roxy's death anyway. It's only been a couple of weeks. Uh, Roxy was a little tiny Bichon Frise that we had for uh, 10 years. He was born on, on Paddy's Day in 2013. So uh, he was just over 10. And it was very sudden? It, really sudden. Uh, Roxy was sitting beside me on the, on the chair at the kitchen table and uh, and just... Uh, I thought she was after falling off the chair and I was kind of half laughing at her thinking what are we after doing falling off the chair and then uh, realised she's not right at all but it turned out it was a seizure and uh, now she was perfectly healthy for more than 10 years so it was so it was a real shock to the system and brought her to the vets of course straight away and then you know only a few days later you know she kept getting the seizures it, they just they, they couldn't do anything for her so on the Friday there a couple of weeks ago we just you know it was a kind of an easy decision in the end I suppose you know in that we had no choice you know a lot of the people that have been messaging me have you know their 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 pets are in kind of continuous decline and they don't know when they're going to have to make the big decision for me it was I suppose it was easy it was mm. a terribly hard decision but it was easy as in Roxy's time was up so mm. so it had to be done you and know? it was gentle and it was kind 
it was gentle and it was kind and I've, I've nothing but admiration for, for vets and, and, and around the country what they did the, the way Roxy was handled and treated and everything by them and she saw about six different vets for various reasons because there was there was out of hours calls and everything during the week so she saw them all and they were all so amazingly good with her and I'm, I'm really grateful and you know and I'm sure lots of people have had that experience as well you know and I, I in our own case like Herbie or, or Fats as we knew him he, he he'd had this heart condition for three or four years and he just battled on with it yeah. but I took advice I rang the vet and I said Connor I said what do I do he said look I can medicate him I can give you stuff to give him but and we'll get another year out of him and he'll be better for a while and then he won't be better again and then I rang my a great old pal of mine Johnny Clifford Cork's original doggy man and I said Johnny what'll I do and he said you need to let him go this, the, you're, you're, you're keeping him going for you, not for him. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and that was the, the that was the same with with Roxy. Was and, it? And like, could could they know. have brought her round? Did they say or what? Uh, no. Uh, well, I mean, she was she was still you know conscious and that. And actually, on the the final evening, on the Thursday evening, they they said she was she was too poorly to bring her home. And we said, well, because they had pumped her fairly full of drugs at this stage down at the, the clinic and we, we said we want to go down and see her and as soon as we walked in the door she, she stood up and oh. wagged her tail and we said oh. we're bringing her home so we brought her home for the night and she sat on the couch with the you know, three daughters and, and sat with them and, and you know she, she cuddled into them and then for the first time ever and she was <laughs> she, she slept in the bed between myself and my wife first time she was ever allowed in the bed and then uh, she died the following morning so it was a nice Ending, if you know what I mean, if if, if that can be said, like yes. you know, yes. but uh, as someone messaged me, sure I've got messages from everyone around the country, but as someone messaged me this morning, they take up so little room, and still they're you know the the the, the gap that that is left in the house is so huge, you know. Yeah, yeah, it, it is something that you don't. I think, Damien, people don't understand it until they experience it, and I have often said, anybody who ever says to you, "But sure, it was only a dog." They've never had a dog. Yeah, and you know, I mean, I grew up on a farm. We had, we we always had dogs. We had Labradors and Collies and every kind of dog. And really, I don't think I fully appreciated it until you know, because I've I, I've had some wonderful pets over the years, and uh, I suppose you know, I kind of understood the, the the process that's involved. And unfortunately, you know, the dog is. You know, not going to be with you forever, like you know. But I, I suppose it was only when when Roxy came in. She was a special little dog for our family, and I think maybe because I saw what she meant to to my kids and that, like you know. And one of them now is is one of the girls is thirteen, so she doesn't even remember the dog not being there and they spent their whole lives one of them was on top of the other one for for 10 years you know yeah. so um so to see how broken hearted she is, is 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 quite hard to take as well yeah. you know so it kind of brings it all home a little bit extra you know quoted dogs trust research they did nearly 40 percent of owners said they were so, quite uh, taken aback by how much they grieved uh, yeah, and and that's what I could most identify with. To be honest with you, I I wasn't ex- 
like I'm not cold hearted or anything, but I, I understood that, you know, a dog's life isn't going to be as long you know, that I was going to have to go through this and 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 but I was so surprised by how taken aback by how, um, the way I, I, I was affected by the dog's death, like, you know, and, and you know, with my wife and three girls, you know, there was a lot of crying done in the house, like, you know, and I'm not a crier, I think it'd be a I'd be an awful lot healthier if I was a crier. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but, uh, and then, you know, it was almost a physical pain I had yes. um, the day that she died and that, and I was up all night. Um, and, and uh, you know, it's, it's kind of hard to kind of process that, like, you yes. know, and then I, I, I suppose in the article I, I wrote that I was feeling a bit guilty about that because, I mean, there's an awful lot of people going through, you know, an awful lot of, very tough times, you know, and, and, you know, have lost, you know, human family members or people that are sick or, or whatever is happening with their job or whatever is going on. And here I am feeling, you know, flattened completely by, by a pet dying. But to be honest with you, the, the, the amount, the reaction that the Mm. column got, like, you know, Mm. it's obvious that, that, people feel so attached to their pets and, and it was wrong very true mm. wrong very true with me when I when I, I was just browsing my Irish Times online yesterday yeah. and I came across it you know yeah. and and it's it's the thing you miss like you you'll go home if you're in the office you go home you put the key in the door and there isn't that little sound from inside absolutely you know and and I mean uh, I wrote that in, in 10 years no one ever walked into the house without Roxy greeting them at the door uh, I never pulled up the, the car outside the house without Roxy looking out the window at me. You know, the couch. Yeah. I never sat in the couch. And I think the, the weird thing is with COVID as well, like, you know, people that are working from home um, more, you know, now, you know, they're working like I certainly am a couple of days a week. I'm sitting um, at my desk and, you know, if the kids are in school or my wife is at work or wherever, the dog is sitting beside me for the whole That's day right. and we grew more attached because of that, I suppose, like, you know, yeah. and, dog, and I think people do have that experience, like, up and down the country, you know, the dog is sitting beside them on the couch or at the desk or wherever they are, like, you know, and, and Roxy in particular spent her whole life trying to be a member of the family. She just wanted to, she just wanted to sit beside you. So when the girls were playing a board game, she'd just sit there and she'd wag her tail and she'd watch it. She wouldn't get involved or anything, but she was there as a member of the family. Yeah. You yeah. know, so... Uh, and, that, that's, and that's what's gone. A member of the family yeah. has gone. Well, I, I, I share with you, Damien, the words of an old vet. Uh, he's no longer with us now, but I, I had to have a a dog put down previously yeah. um, for another reason a very dog was very very fond of but he, he said to me um, you know that pain you feel I said yes he said that's a little piece that they take of yeah. your heart and they take it with them to remember your smell I'm still not worth tuppence very good isn't it very good isn't it yeah, yeah. that explains it Damien thank you for a wonderful piece of writing the Irish Times that really, really resonated with me. Thank you very much. Thank you. Cheers, man. That's Damien Cullen, the Irish Times, on the death of his dog Roxy, and I just it just resonated with me. Um, and I, I think it might resonate with anyone that the loss of a dog you don't, or or, or, a, or a cat maybe, but a dog definitely you don't. It's it's a loss that until you experience it, you don't quite get it, do you? I had I talked with old Harry. Harry is seven. Harry's my pal, my buddy, um, my partner in crime, um, the fellow who eats half my dinner sometimes. But at Easter time, 
um, Harry hurt himself and we can't think we don't know to this day what he quite did but we think he got his paw stuck somewhere but over Easter weekend he wasn't jumping out of his basket and he wasn't running up to the door and he wasn't his usual self he was sitting there kind of looking very sorry for himself and doing a lot of sleeping and I actually said I'm not ready lad don't just don't do and don't just don't I, I can't do this uh, thankfully, he made a full recovery and he's fine again. But I was really, really scared. I, was, I couldn't believe how scared I was. You know, taking any animal into your life will inevitably end in heartache. But you don't worry about the hangover when you're at the party. That's true. That's from Paul O'Grady. The Paul O'Grady, a quote from the Paul O'Grady. Thank you. 0818 96 96 96. Right, tell me again what this is. 083 396 96 96 with your name and what that is. A chance for you to soak up the boutiques and department stores of Cork City. A shopping spree with just staying right on the doorstep. Clayton Hotel, Cork City. They've given us a night away for two people. A dinner, bed and breakfast every day this week on the opinion line, if you can identify that sound for me. What is it? It's related to a hotel or a bar or a restaurant. What is that sound? <laughs> identify the sound and give me your name to 083 396 Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With Hidden Hearing, changing lives with the latest hearing health technology. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Cork 96 the we've we've talked a lot about Cape Clear in the last week and a bit. We had that awful accident, that tragedy that happened down there. Then we caught up with the uh, school down there. They were looking for banditees for Irish colleges, and then we were chatting with our old friend Ed Harper about the goat farm down there. Forty odd years down there, he is goat farming. And tonight on, on television, there's a, a feature about a lady called Niamh Nidrishkiol, who you may have met if you've been over and back on the ferry any time recently. Now, not only does she come over and back on the ferry every day on her way to work as a teacher uh, in, in Ballancolic, I think, but, but Niamh, you also are the first qualified female ferry skipper in the country. Good morning to you. Great to have you on the programme. Thank you very much. Um, yeah, so I suppose I, I qualified 13 years ago. I, I think some people think it has only recently happened mm. um, in April 2010. And uh, I certainly was the first female skipper down this end of the country, but I'm led to believe um, it, it's a very real possibility that, that I'm certainly one of the first, if not the first in Ireland. You would have been one of the youngest for sure. Um, pops, you know, I wouldn't have been one of the youngest, I'd imagine. Um, well, certainly one of the youngest females, but I wouldn't have been the youngest skipper. Yeah. Native of Cape Clear and still go back there every evening? Not every evening. No? It's not possible during the winter. So I go out on either a Sunday evening or a Monday morning and I come home then on a Friday evening. Okay. Okay. What was it like growing up on an island like that? I mean, you're born, you're born on an island, so the sea is going to be in your blood. Absolutely. Um, it was the most wonderful place to grow up. Um, I suppose the most common question I'm asked is, oh, what did you do growing up? Because when people think you're from an island, they, they find it difficult to comprehend and imagine what that life might be. 
Um, and I suppose, you know, I couldn't say what I did every day, but the one thing I can say with absolute certainty was I don't ever remember being bored. Mm. Um, the whole island was our playground. It was a very um, safe place to grow up. We would be out straight after school and you would be told to come home before it was dark. Um, you know, I suppose on Cape Clear, age is blind. So you'd pop into your neighbours. Um, your neighbour could be an eight-year-old man or woman and you could be eight or nine and you'd have a chat with them and it wouldn't be, it would be part of the norm. Um, and I suppose when I did leave then for boarding school at the age of 12, I found that transition really, really difficult because mm. I went from growing up with, you know, essentially vast freedom um, to go into a quite regimented and routine way of life. And indeed, while of course I miss my parents, I probably missed island life that little bit more. Yeah. Um, so that was a difficult transition. But that said, um, you know, it was a very important and integral part of uh, me growing up and developing into the adult I am. And um, I'm often asked if you if I had my time over and I had a choice, would I change anything? And I, I wouldn't because indeed six years later I was crying leaving the place so yeah. um, it all worked out for the better. Your, your mom was the school teacher on the island when you were growing up so you, you were around with your dad a lot weren't you? That's correct yeah um, I have two older brothers so my grandparents next door would have minded them um, by the time I was born my granddad died the previous year so um, they decided that it would be best um, might be a little bit too much for my grandmother, who was in her 70s at that stage, though I would say she'd probably argue that the fact that she was still with us, that she was well able, mm. uh, she was one of our, our local legends. And uh, so as a result, I would have spent a lot of time with my dad growing up. Um, I mean, we we have a small farm, we have a seasonal fishing boat, um, life had to go on. Um, I had to adapt around their life as opposed to they adapting around mine when I came so that entailed me going out farming with him when I was young and indeed if the lobster pots had to be hauled um, I was brought out in my carry cot and I it's, I think that's one of the real reasons I love sleeping on a boat it's I not I don't not off during the day but I would on a boat You, um, you were nearly born on a boat what that's about mm-hmm. you you were you're almost just They're almost yeah what almost happened? but not quite so I'm a Christmas baby and um, my mum had very fast labours with both of my brothers and as I was due around Christmas time, the doctors weren't best pleased that mum um, wanted to stay on the island for Christmas. So the um, compromise that was reached was that she would come off the island on Stephen's Day um, and that they would induce her. Um, however, when Stephen's Day came along, the weather wasn't um, the best. Mm. So the skipper of the day, uh, the late great Corridor School, said it would be best to call the lifeboat and um, so I began my journey into this world in the lifeboat and uh, it's still very much a very important part of, of life to all of us here on Cape Clear. Um, mm. I suppose I was in the privileged position that um, my uncle-in-law Noel was full-time mechanic at the time and subsequently became my godfather and uh, I carry his name so it's named Cecilia Noel after my mum and my late um, godfather and indeed that tradition is still carried on. Yeah. Three of his sons um, are still very much involved in the lifeboat. What's the longest you've ever been away? You were you were unable to get home, was it, during during COVID? Yeah, I suppose, you know, COVID was a game of two halves for me, really. Um, in the first lockdown, not taking from the awfulness of the reality uh, worldwide, but I was here for 11 and a half weeks on Cape Clear um, and it was sheer bliss. Um, you know, I, my classroom became my, my parents' sunroom overlooking the bay. 
Um, I remember teaching at one stage looking up and there was a pod of about 20, 25 dolphins swimming past um, and I was out hiking the hills or straight down to Harbour for a swim after my day's work. Um, and it was a time that was very, very special to me. That's one, you know, that I, I'm, I'm very grateful for. Mm. Um, however, uh, the, we'll say the second lockdown, major lockdown, um, when the schools were open, mm. um, uh, I was based back in Cork. And because we're in Ireland, the benefit of it was we managed to keep COVID out for two years uh, before there was any case. So. Really? Yeah, so working in a school environment where we had um, lots and lots of cases on, on a daily and certainly a weekly basis, I didn't want to put my, indeed my own parents, but the, the larger community at risk by coming home in case I, I was carrying it. Um, so that was the longest period I ever went without coming home, which was almost two months. And I, I did find that very, very difficult. Um, I found it most unsettling. and. Yeah. Um, it's it, you know it, life was hard in lockdown anyway, but it kind of was exasperated by the fact that I couldn't get home. Facilities are good. Like you were able to conduct your online teaching, were you? Absolutely. Wow. I mean, wow. it, the, our connectivity is fantastic, and yeah. it has improved even since then. Um, so I was very fortunate, and, and indeed, a lot of us were able to return home during COVID and, and work from home. And That's I amazing. Suppose, when, you, when you think about it, Neve, you know, incredible. I mean, it's a long time since I was on Cape Clear, and I was only saying it to Ed last week. I, I must take a trip over uh, one of these one of these weeks, but just to see it again. But when I was over there, um, in co- when I was in college, like there was like one phone. <laughs> You know, and and if it worked, it worked. If it didn't, it didn't. You know, and that was that was it. You know, that's right. Yeah, it, it's uh, Cape Clear has a very unique um, history when it comes to communication because, um, like that, there was only one phone. It was up in the post office for quite a while. But right. previous to that, before the transatlantic cable, we would have had a telegraph station here. Um, and as a result, Cape Clear was the first place in all of Europe to learn about the American Civil War and the assassination of. Abraham Lincoln. Um, Tell me yes. that story. Yes. So um, there was two competing telegraph stations, one in Cape Clear and one in Goline. And you would have um, watchmen and women on the cliffs keeping an eye for the passing ships from America. And what would happen would be the the, the, the message or the news was put in a floating canister which had a... Um, um, a candle light at the very top of it so it was thrown into the water when the ship was passing and then the race would begin who could row out faster to reach it either um, the one in Crocaven or Cape Clear and in those two incidences it was um, Cape Clear and oh, message so then relayed used to row, row off the island furiously yeah. out to sea to mm-hmm. catch a bottle with a note in it exactly. to get the news from the other side of the world exactly it and the message would reach London before the ship reached Cork City because you trans you transmitted from the telegraph then exactly it and the the reason there was a race was you only got paid for the telegraph obviously that you delivered so that's why there was competition between the two telegraph stations that is an amazing and how long that's the that's hundreds of years ago you you're going way back yeah wow. Uh, pre-Atlantic, transatlantic cable. So, for, for fast forward to today, when we have incredible connectivity, and mm. we've, you know, just this past winter, we there was a new um, Vodafone mast established on Canuck Quarantine, which is fabulous because there were pockets on the island, um, South Harbour, and indeed yeah. behind the south of the island, that there was no telephone coverage. So it's a huge benefit Please to us here on the island. Five G over there. We we certainly have four G and we we have five G down in the G Tech Hub where we've a new kind of like our our mini Ludgate, um, which is in high demand. Yeah, so I suppose that's one of the huge positive spin offs from COVID is that 
it has presented um, you know, rural areas and, and most especially islands with a real possibility of rural regeneration where yeah. it's now um, a viable option to work from home. Yeah. How many, I mean, how many are living? How many people live there now? So there's a full-time winter population of around 120 people. Okay. Um, and then there's like for me who commute to the mainland for work um, and back at weekends and whatnot. Yeah. Um, so we're hoping to add to that. We're, we're, I'm a chairperson of Cork Clara Cho, um, which was set up in 1979. Uh, it's a cooperative and our main drive is the socio-economic development of the island. So you know, we we were the front runners in establishing Ireland's first and only island distillery here on Cape Clear. And one of our biggest projects at the moment is that of the gateway housing. Right. So we're, we want to build houses and have, you know, high quality interim housing on the island to attract families in. Okay. Um, and we have the infrastructure and the communications in place so, you know, that they can work from home. And we developed this model on um, a plan that they did in Scotland, the Scottish islands where their model not alone um, stopped population decline, but in fact reversed it. So we're hoping for similar success here, but it's not without its challenges. Um, We had put in for planning for four houses pre-Christmas, and we had to withdraw the planning about 24 hours before um, we were getting word on the advice of Cork County Council themselves because they would have had to say no for the very reason that we fell between two policies. Oh, so, which is the story of island life all across the board and their, their policy is in support of cluster housing. The national policy is in favour of cluster housing, wow. but only within a certain distance of a town or village which there are none on any of the islands. Mm-hmm. So um, we're hoping now with the recent publication of the um, Our Living Islands policy that was published in May that we can now use that and go back to the drawing board and mm-hmm. hopefully get those housings built because um, housing is a huge issue in yeah, Ireland, it's, but it's, it's been a huge issue on all of the islands of Ireland for the last 20 plus years. Yeah. I can see why someone might want to move over there and and work from home, and it's it's, it's idyllic. And there was photographs going. It, it is there. I have another memory, Neve, um, of being over there. Morris, our Volkswagen Beetles. Mm-hmm. Yes. And they were about the only car that wouldn't rot out from under you. That's with the right. salt air. Is that still the case? Or have you <laughs> it's not that the Toyota Corolla seems to have taken over from the, the Volkswagen Beetle, but I do, I remember um, it was um, Volkswagen Beetle Central um, when I was growing up here on the islands, for sure. Because there was the engine in the back, which would take you up that big hill, up towards the up Club the Clara. Yeah, That's and right. I do remember, I was saying this to the principal in school last week, that I remember them going up, they go up past the pub past the cotters they go past cotters turn around rev like there was no revving in it to make a run for the bigger, for the bigger hill <laughs> that's right yeah that's your bang on it was the funniest thing you ever saw but they have a few Toyota Corollas now that's a, yeah that seems to be the most frequent car at the moment but it, to be fair the, the standard of car has gone up way way higher since the introduction of the NCT <laughs> There's an NCT over there. No, but the cars that don't pass the NCT find their way over here. So. I see. Oh yeah, that's a bit. That's a bit like the tanky, the, the the taxi rank actually on on Bear Island. You know, there's the taxi. If you can drive it yourself, you can yes, take it up. That's exactly it. <laughs> You're on a new series. It's a, lo- a lovely new series called Mala Namara. I hope it. I hope it's correct tonight. On on RTE, telling your that's story. Correct. 
Yeah, so Malin Amara is out tonight at uh, 7 p.m. And um, I'm delighted to have the opportunity to take part to showcase all the wonderful things that Cape Clear has to offer. So the show follows three of us that have a connection to the sea. Malinamara means uh, the lure of the sea and it um, will be shown over three programmes in three subsequent um, weeks starting tonight at 7pm. All right, all right. It's lovely speaking to you, uh, Niamh, Niamh Nidrish Gjol, um from Cape Clear. Lovely. Isn't that a wonderful Thanks, Niamh. Isn't that a fabulous story, though? Back in pre-communication days, the boat would be coming in and they'd drop a little message into the water and they'd roll like the chair out to get the little message in the bottle and bring it back and telegraph it to the rest of the world. And now she was able to do online classes on Tinternet from the island. It's gas, isn't it? Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Shall we have a listen for two seconds? Here. At all times, everything to do with this contract was under instruction from RTE, but it was the, the, the contract was, and the payments were with Renault, the sponsor. And Renault is still the sponsor of, of, of the Late Late Show. I asked the question, Mr. Trubbery, and it was in your opening statement, so that's exclusive of the 75,000. Would you accept that it's difficult for us to reconcile the idea that this was an entirely separate arrangement when it formed part of the contract negotiation? Yeah, I understand where you're coming from entirely, but I understand understand the the room for for perception issues, yes. Okay. Um, Mr. Kelly, I just want to move on to uh, your part in this. I want to ask briefly, because... I think it's important that we put to bed the idea that Mr. Tuberty made any decision around the late late uh, on foot off. Oh, uh, we Let know that the two problematic invoices were presented to D Forbes on the eighth of March, and uh, we know that Mr. Tuberty announced his decision. Whether whenever he took his decision, he announced it on the sixteenth of March. Um, would you have D Forbes's number in your phone? No, no. I. I if I can explain, I've met Dee Forbes, I would say, and, and this is like, it, it, it's, it's, but there's so many untruths and so many stuff. I, I find it bizarre. So I, I've, I've only ever met Dee Forbes with her legal team okay. and with her and her lawyers in their office, in RTE. I have never had a cup of tea with Dee Forbes. I've never met Dee Forbes for lunch. I've never met her for dinner. I don't know Dee Forbes apart from when I meet her in the RTE. Uh, I'm an so RTA sorry. Moment. And it's, we're so time compressed Definitely. I think if you, if you have a question with regard to the departure of the Late Late Show, that was so deeply personal and so deeply from my heart, I would urge you to ask me about that. Because I want to ask a very simple question, and it sounds like you'll welcome it's coming, the it's coming, it's coming. Was there any communication? to either yourself, Mr. Tuberty, or to Noel Kelly management between the 8th and the 16th of March with regard to these problematic invoices. No, not, not no. That's, that's no. fine. Okay, the, the two of them are putting the boots, uh, putting the the boots into RTE in okay. there. It'll be very interesting to see how that pans out for the rest of the day. I just wanted to earwig there for a second. Right, before we go, where am I? Line two. Uh, who have I got? Uh, Alison. Hi, PJ. How are you? What's this? I'm good. What's that? Oh, I would say it's a cocktail shaker. You'd be saying right. You'd be saying <laughs> right. All right, we're going to send you off for a night away at the Clayton in the city and B&B dinner. Yourself and whoever you two to take with you can go shopping and enjoy the boutiques and the shops of the city. And it's on us. Thank you so much. I'm delighted you made my Tuesday. That's lovely. Alison Eaton, thanks my friends. At Clayton City Centre Hotel for that. Another one for you tomorrow. That's it. Programme edited by Emer O'Hay, produced and researched by Richard Vickery. I think we're off to watch the Oireachtas, aren't you? Uh, Talk to you tomorrow, just after nine. Planning for your next trip? 
Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.